we launched an initiative alongside companies and non-profits to help improve research and understanding of how a person's online experiences are curated by automated processes. This will also be important in understanding more about mis- and disinformation online, a challenge that we must, as leaders, address. Sadly, I think it's easy to dismiss this problem as one in the margins. I can certainly understand the desire to leave it to someone else. As leaders, we're rightly concerned that even the most light-touch approaches to disinformation could be misinterpreted as being hostile to the values of free speech that we value so highly. But while I cannot tell you today what the answer is to this challenge, I can say with complete certainty that we cannot ignore it. To do so poses an equal threat to the norms we all value. After all, how do you successfully end a war if people are led to believe the reason for its existence is not only legal but noble? How do you tackle climate change if people do not believe it exists? How do you ensure the human rights of others are upheld when they are subjected to hateful and dangerous rhetoric and ideology? The weapons may be different, but the goals of those who perpetuate them is often the same, to cause chaos and reduce the ability of others to defend themselves to disband communities, to collapse the collective strength of countries who work together. But we have an opportunity here to ensure that these particular weapons of war do not become an established That's part not freedom. of freedom. That's not the kind of freedom I thought. In these times, I'm acutely aware of how easy it is to feel disheartened. We are facing many battles on many fronts, but there is cause for optimism. 
because for every new weapon we face, there is a new tool to overcome it. For every attempt to push the world into chaos is a collective conviction to bring us back to order. We have the means. We just need the collective will. Curating your online experience, this is episode 119 of Behind the Schemes for October 3rd, 2022. And deciding to leave it to somebody else, this is Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here on the Bereft Coast, where I can tell you we all live in a collective, my name is Leavish. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I just got off a plane and, uh, on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Oh, but babe. But is, I had I, to come back for a scheme. Mmm. No doubt. Wanted to. Wanted to get behind some schemes. I had and, to. And, uh, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm traveling so much this, so much this month. It's yeah, been man. awesome. Yeah, busy guy. Yes. Busy, busy guy. Yes, how are you doing, sir? I'm all right, man. It's, it's, uh starting to pick back up just uh the amount of shit to bust out as it goes and just a lot of weird uh curveballs here and there from people and i'm just like you know what keep it to yourself how about that one? <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh my oh my goodness um, uh yeah you know so just uh plowing through we did have the opportunity uh, and I definitely don't want to miss this one because we are known to do that. But uh, we had the chance to go on the Legit Bat podcast. Yes, we did. We were on the Legit Bat podcast on Thursday. Um, yeah, and uh, it was a video podcast uh, with Joe, Jen, and Ben. There was one other individual. I, I'm slipping on her name. Um, uh, me too. Uh, but they were very sweet. And we, uh, the video thing is something that we don't usually do, but I have to say, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool. What, uh, what, what did you think overall of uh, our first video appearance? <laughs> well, as far as the video is concerned, I thought it went very well. Thought it was, I thought it was just fine. Everything worked, so there's that. But um, I have to say, when we were on this, this show, we, I didn't think that we would talk about the things that we ultimately end up talking about. We kind of ended up talking about things like Bitcoin uh, instead of any like uh, conspiratorial stuff. Yeah, that was true. Um, Podcasting 2.0 and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely, um, I guess I kind of swayed that because I didn't have a real opinion on the pipeline uh, happenings going on as of late. Uh, yeah, but- uh, they seem to be into the... Uh, in the, in the topical stuff. And you and I, you know, we, we're not entirely topical. We don't really do, like, uh, news stuff too too often. Unless it's really juicy. Mm-hmm. Instead, we'll talk about succubus forums or um, people who irradiated themselves 100 years ago. Things like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oops. Did I do that? You know. Did I do that? I thought it was fun, though. Do you think it was fun? I did. I, I thought it was fun. Um, it's definitely a different beast doing it video-wise. Uh, I'm after the experience. I think I'm a. I think I like the audio side of it more. It's um, it's oh, a yeah? different landscape. 
it's uh it's a less uh theater of the mind you know and i certainly wasn't about to drag a pile of goats on uh on a camera that would just be well rockfin specifically has rules against depictions of animal cruelty so i, I didn't want to get him banned off of that you know <laughs> lame i know that's the worst thing about video platforms. They're fucking capital S soft. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Fucking soft. No deal. It's no good. Yes. Theater of the Mind. And we are, let's face it, a theatrical production. Theater of the Mind is uh, is where it's at. Yes, it How is. How else would you know that I'm pantless if you couldn't see it? I had to tell you. I'm not wearing pants. And uh, Dark Lord Arcade. It is listed at the top of the uh, show notes. If you check out the Rockfin link, it's posted up there at the Zoso's Corner. A Indeed. Link to the video, man. Legit Bat Podcast. Check it out. They have they have had uh, people on. They had uh, abs in a six-packs or seat sitter on. And a couple other folks. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm having some... Uh, IRC cacophony issues. Mm, mm. Oh, there we go. That one's working now. Yes, um, indeed. We're getting our boosting in order. Mm-hmm. It was the one thing I forgot to make sure it was good to go. Um, so, yeah. Uh, there are two... Well, I was attempting to do two new boostograms for tonight, but looks like I might have uh, mistyped something in the code somewhere, and I didn't have a chance to test it out before I got home today, or tonight, really. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, so but. I'll uh, I'll do my best to tech it uh, during tonight's show. We'll see what I can do. Mm-mm. Get done. There you go. Um. Yeah. Shall we uh, get into tonight's tarot card? Yes. Let us. And for anyone who doesn't know, for every episode of Behind the Schemes, we draw a tarot card, and the tarot card uh, kind of sets the tone for the evening. Yes, and tonight's tarot card, uh, I ended up drawing from the Line Strider tarot deck. This is a really beautiful uh, line art and watercolor uh, deck, uh, ink, line ink and watercolor deck, I should say. Yeah, and, it's a good uh, card. This card jumped out at me tonight, and it made me feel pretty good, honestly, to catch it, because it is the strength card, which is a the... Good card. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the tarot card that's associated with the Leo zodiac sign. Do you know what element it's associated with? I would or assume. Is it? I would assume fire. I would assume so as well. Yeah, but it might have a like a sub element. Hmm. Let me uh, hit you with a couple of keywords, and we'll see if I can't find the uh, answer to your question here in a second. Uh, some keywords about strength would be courage, love, patience, balance, motivation, inner strength, and success. Uh, strength represents the inner tenacity and mental strength of humans to overcome all barriers. The querents should know that they can endure life's obstacles with confidence, stamina, and resilience forged with patience, compassion, and inner composure. The lion is a symbol of our animalistic desires and passions. Strength, typified by a woman, uh, controls the woman. Excuse me, controls the lion. Oh, that would be hot. Controls the lion with quiet yeah. <laughs> perseverance. The infinity line that appears above her head is also a symbol of the magician. Her white mantle resembles that of the innocent fool, indicating the purity of her soul. 
The presence of strength implies this is when you need to explore your instinctive responses and impulses, especially when you are assist- assessing a situation or needing to make a decision. This is the time to use your mental maturity, love, and compassion. Listen, listen to your animal passions. I fuck like a beast. Mm, mm. <laughs> listen to your animal passions. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, but don't let them dominate over over you. Indeed, embrace the lion, but don't let the lion control everything. Don't lose your cool, man. Don't. L- don't be so flippant, man. Don't be so flippant, man. Um, <laughs> what's uh, nice. what, what, what do you think about this card? Well, as you said, the typical image is a woman uh, holding the jaws of a fully grown lion. So I think that that kind of gives the right imagery. It's it's uh, it is even though it's a uh, you know strength is is sort of a it has a, it has a feminine energy is what I'm trying to say. It has a certain sort of power that comes not exactly from brawn or from uh, just brute strength. It comes from an inner power. It comes from confidence. It comes from courage. It comes from compassion. It comes from... uh, It's willpower. Willpower. And it's also a creative energy, not a destructive energy. Sometimes strength can be, you know, hey, I'm going to tear these walls down or I'm going to you know, do something like that. But with this strength, it's more like building up. It's it's about community. It's about building yourself up. So it's it has that sort of energy, as opposed to, say, what we had the other day, which was the Knight of Swords, which is sort of like an ambitious, abrasive, like, we're going forward, we're invading sort of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, is a very spiritual card, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely biased, but it's by far one of my favorite cards for sure. Yeah. It's, I love strength. Uh it's you know, not not to I'm not gonna get super woo woo on you, but it's always a, a comforting sight to see this one flip out of the deck by itself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a good it's a good mode and it's a great card to set the tone uh, and just see what's going on. I feel like you and I both uh, in our own ways, are just kind of going forth and and doing what we're trying to do, and uh, I think this is a good representation of of that vibe. Yes, uh, I, I got some brief messages uh, continuing continuing from tarotx.net. Star- uh, strength describes the unconscious energy that is released, stabilized, tamed through the direction of perception. Uh, but we also can consider this card an essential quality to start a new journey. We need to deal with the emotions and desires that always play hide-and-seek with consciousness. If we try to change ourselves with our minds, we will create a different kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It unleashes uh, personality as Pandora's box opens the band box. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. Um, I like the Pandora... Oh, go- sorry, go ahead. Uh, but as dangerous as it is, the results are sweet. A sense of serenity, love of life, and great confidence. Unless we truly believe in self-discovery as a pleasure, we never get it done. Hmm. Yes. It has to be a joyous energy. It has to be a one of, uh, of, of, I don't know, passion. It has to be one of, you know what I'm saying. And I like Pandora. Pandora is, is a great image because pandora opened up the lion's jaws when she opened the box 
and and released all of the the ills and the nastiness of whatever in the world but for her to open that box it takes it take it took strength from her and then uh, also hope was involved in that and hope i think is a big part of strength yes yeah i like that hope is a big part of strength indeed especially yeah. with this kind of energy you, you want to, you know, as I said, it's creative. You, you, you hope for the fu- a better future. You hope for your better self. You hope for a better community. Mm-hmm. I like that. If you would like to check out this card, it's posted up at the top of our show notes, which can be found over at zosascorner.substack.com. Uh, That's where we have all of the links to our articles, videos that we pull clips from. Uh, we got some images from our day-to-day. I think I actually have a picture of a two patches that I recently just picked up at the, at the yield hot topic. (laughs) Oh, the top. (laughs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) It's been a while since I've been to the top. Bringing it back in a big way, baby. (laughs) Booberry's making hot topic cool again, man. Oh yeah. Uh, Until I was rudely, someone stepped in front of me to pull from the button rack. And I was like, excuse me, ma'am, you're rude. But I didn't say that. I just, you just, I just flicked her in the in the eye and walked away. Yeah, you flicked her right in the eye with a lit cigarette butt. <laughs> Surprise, bitch! <laughs> oh God! Yeah, I see your two patches. One of them is is the Moth Man with big red eyes holding what looks like a kitchen knife, and then the other one is is another Moth Man with the silhouette, and it says Moth Man, and then in colors it says Believe in Me. Yes. <laughs> Believe in me. <laughs> believes in me. Yes. Mothman believes moth, in me. Moth person. Moth person. Sorry. Moth, yes. yes. That's and we already said, you know, Booberry got reprimanded over at Crypticon in Minneapolis when uh, in the Minneapolis when he, he very assumedly blatantly called, just went ahead and called the, the thing Mothman. Which whew, sexist much? <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Got a rainbow going here. I like it. Very uh, occulty. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, can I have a favor to ask of you, Lavish. Yes? Can you tell the folks a little bit about this show, where they can find us, what times we broadcast, how we produce this show? I gotta go uh, smack around the computer in the other room real quick. <laughs> you got it. No problem. You go ahead. You take care of that. And I will tell the people that this is indeed a value-for-value production. What is value-for-value, you might say? Well, it's just simply what we call the method of having no corporate sponsors, having no advertisements. We don't have any strings to anybody other than those who listen to the show, those who participate with our program, which we broadcast every single Monday night. That's every single Monday night without exception at 7.30 p.m., Uh, West Coast time in the United States, or 9.30 Central, or 10.30 Eastern, or 8.30 Mm, mm. Rocky Mountain time. Uh, You can send us um, emails, or or you can hit us up on No Agenda Social. Uh, uh, You can email me at lavish at behindtheschemes.com, or uh, booberry at boo at behindtheschemes.com. And if you contribute to the show in any meaningful way, which, you know, it could be financially, or it could be 
through uh, art. You can send art. You can send music. You can uh, send information, news articles, uh, anything like that. And that all counts as production. And uh, if you contribute to the show in a meaningful way, then we consider you a producer. And we will list you in the beautiful show notes. And we will, of course, mention you uh, after the beginning of the second half of the show. As a producer, we will we'll speak. If you don't want to use your real name, that's fine. You don't need to give us your real name. You can use fake name or you can use a real name that's your true name. And sometimes your real name is your fake name, if you know what I mean. And uh, we, we all, awkward hugs also accepted. Thank you, Fiverr, who gave me a not awkward hug, gave me a very good regular hug at, our, um, at a jazz club in Kansas City. And I personally have had uh, the benefit of many producers coming out and seeing me and spending time with me uh, as I've been traveling around the country, which I've been doing now for about, oh, probably three weeks. I, uh, I got to meet up with all kinds of really, really cool people. Cotton Gin, Pfeiffer, Sir Spencer, DeLorean, um, Bizzle. I met Bizzle. Uh, I just came back from Seattle. And I got to meet up with Cotton Gin and Fiverr, uh, not Fiverr, but Cotton Gin and Sharky. Oh, yeah. And Bizzle. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that uh, during the second half of the show, during the producer segment. But all of it counts. Uh, so thanks to everybody who is a producer. And thanks to everybody. Even if you're listening, you're, you're a producer. Believe it. Yeah, you really uh, loosed the noose these past couple of weeks. Yep, I've been doing the lavish world tour. <laughs> I did my two-week road trip, and then I met so many people that I wanted to kick it with immediately. And it just so happened that a bunch of people were up in Seattle. And Seattle is a very, um, like, easy flight for me to do. It's usually, on a good day, it's like 70 bucks one way. Mm -hmm. So for me to go up to Seattle is really not that big of a deal. Um, I want to go and visit all kinds of people. I want to go visit the bowlers again in Kansas city. That flight is a little more complicated and that trip's a little more complicated. So, uh, you know, don't, don't be, uh, don't be jealous. You know, I, I, I'm, I swear I'm going to come out and, and see whoever I can just given the resources that I have in the time. But, uh, Seattle just so happened to fall into the, into the right sites. And uh, unfortunately, th there are a couple of people that were in Seattle that have that have moved away. That are in uh, some of them have moved away to Tennessee. Some have moved to Florida. I believe Bully Steed, Dame Bully Steed, was a former Seattleite, oh. and uh, or a, a Washingtonite. And uh, I believe she is now located somewhere on the East Coast. I think, in, in perhaps in hurricane territory. So, uh, Bully Steed, I, I hope that you're well. I see you're in the chat, so your power must be on. So sending karma to you, and sending karma, of course, to everybody in the Florida area, Mary Kate Ultra, Make Heroism, uh, and anybody else who who is out in that direction. Uh, we send karma your way, and hope that you are very well. Yes. And hope that you'll check in with us and let us know that you're well. Yeah, no doubt that was uh, some crazy shit. Ah, uh, Bully's back in Seattle. Well, shit, I missed her then. Damn oh, it! Damn. What am I doing? What the... Here, Bully Seed, I got you. <laughs> there you go. What the... What the fuck? The fact. What the fuck? 
Um, well, cool. Uh, I think, does that uh, put us in some boostograms? Yeah, let's read some boosties. Uh, boostograms, for anybody who doesn't know, is uh, when you send us uh, payments of Bitcoin. And uh, the Bitcoin payments uh, can set off uh, audio clips. It can s- set off things in the chat. And uh, we call them boosts. And so we are going to go and read off some of the lovely boosts that our producers have sent us. Yes. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yes. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm, indeed. Um, damn. Still fucked up. What the fuck? All right. Uh, let's go all the way back to... It was around Tuesday. Uh, that would have been... I think we missed this one from Fletcher for 3825 through Fountain. He said, slash me, party's hardy on the hardwood floor. Ooh, and there's a link to a wave file. Let's see what the wave file is all about. I just felt something hot on my legs. Ooh. Oh, eat it, God. eat it, eat it. <laughs> something hot. Hot on the legs. Hot, hot. Um, and then uh, we had 222 from C Brooklyn 112 saying some good luck, ducks. Uh, yes, thank you, C Brooklyn. That was when uh, my feed was broken at six o'clock in the morning, and it gets hard to, to read what the fuck is going down. Mm. Well, thank you, C Brook. Yep. And then we uh, actually had a live tag set up with the legit bat podcast. I had, I had offered to set them up with Albi wallets. So all they had to do is just send me over the required information and i'd put them in the split but they never got back to me on it so um regardless yeah. we had a thousand sats coming from the man himself dave jones uh through curio caster dave jones and shortly after that he sent another message saying can i climb up on your knee i'm just kidding he didn't say that <laughs> 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 he sent in for uh 21,112 sats, a super rush boost. He said, straight from the locker, this tune is rad. Wicked. Yes. And then uh, right after that, uh, 2112. Through CurioCaster again, saying, uh, what a great song. One of my ap- absolute favorites. I was playing a little bit of uh, the Twilight Zone from from Rush, from that album, 2112. Uh, then right another one for 2112 saying, is there a live video stream or just audio? And, uh, then I responded to him on the air, um, which is part of the boost experience. If you ask us questions and we'll see them definitely. If you send us through boost next up was 4040 from net Ned saying, I totally do a boost. And that was through fountain net Ned. That was a self-fulfilling boost. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, man, chop that boost up, son. <laughs> chop, 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 chop. <laughs> chop it up. Oh, chop it the fuck up. Chop the fuck up. <laughs> uh, and then next up was, and I, I feel really bad about this one, Caroline. We had a chance to boost the gimp in front of the legit bat podcast, and uh, I just didn't have it open, uh, or I had the ta- I, I had that channel muted, uh, like a dumbass. But Carolyn said, hey, I see you, Peekaboo. How you doing? I see Lavish talking to new people about Bitcoin. So cool. So cool. So cool. We should take the opportunity to shout out Hog Story, hosted by Carolyn Blaney and Sir John Fletcher, which is on every Monday night before this show. And you can catch them at hogstory.net or hogstory.com. And you can also give them a call 
at uh, at uh, oh gosh four three zero two zero one four eight four one. Hug one. Yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, we had a ten ninety eight from Pfeiffer right at the top of the show uh, through Fountain, and that was a Jim Jones boost. What? Which one was that? I forget. Um, uh. That's not the world I want to live in, or something like something along those lines. Oh uh, yeah, this isn't the world I want to live in. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then we had uh, nineteen seventy five. I do apologize, Bully Steed. Uh, I don't know why or what I did wrong. Um, but she was boosting one of those new uh uh boostergrams that I made up for tonight. And uh, she said, "New world order, go fuck yourself." Teast, 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 teasting. Go f at at yourself. Teast. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can't. Um, I'll dig up those isos there for you. I'll I'll, I'll hit you with it uh, on the side. How about that? Does that work? Yes. I see you shiver with anticipation. <laughs> got him got him got he um yep and then she sent in another boost for 1974 saying you have you fucked yourself yet <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes and then uh nam's taking shots from the back of the theater for 1000 10 12,121 sats saying it's it was so fun Sorry, it was so fun. You guys definitely have the faces for podcasting. Oh, thanks, and a millennial who hosts Millennial Media Offensive with the Haugen every Tuesday. Yes, uh, you can find them over at MMO.show. Indeed. Uh, check them out on the No Agenda stream immediately before DH Unplugged. Yes, indeed. Gentlemen also has a face for podcasting. It's a, it's a club we're in here. <laughs> uh, then we had 6969 from Sir Spencer saying Rockfin, more like dirty old Sockfin, if you ask me. Nothing new, <laughs> nothing nude about that app. In fact, nude would violate their content quality. Lol, lol. Wrecked Finn. <laughs> Wrecked Finn. <laughs> Thank you, Sir Spencer, the beautiful <laughs> Sir Spencer. Oh my goodness. That's funny. Uh, and then we had ninety nine ninety nine from Bully Steed saying, "Love this podcast, love the t shirts." Oh yeah, the oh. shirts. Oh uh, shit! Uh, what, what happened? We gotta we gotta talk about these these t shirts. Well, we've got merch now. We got a threadless site. You can find that at the uh, at the show notes, of course. And uh, I'll tell you, people have been have been wearing their shirts. They send in in pictures of them wearing the shirts. When I met up with uh, Sharky in Seattle, he was wearing a behind the scheme shirt, as was I, and uh, that was a blast. Ah, uh, yes, I wore a I wore a BTS shirt. The um, I ate the bugs and I slept in the pod, and all I got was this T shirt. <laughs> wore that to the Ren Fair this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. It was good. Yes. And they actually yes. uh they got some new domains set up behind the schemes dot shop. Spelled either way will take you straight there. And they have uh they have about 
seven new designs on there for tonight. Brand new. Spanking new. Oh, yeah. Hot, hot, hot designs. These things are flying like like hotcakes. Like hotcakes. That's right. You can get yours. They aren't that much. They're, not, they're really quite reasonable for how awesome a shirt they are. So please give it a shot. Behindtheschemes.shop. Mm-hmm. They look great. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful that they, they, they took that up and have just been rocking with it. It's, uh, I got to hit them with a little bit of a banjo karma. Mm. That's right. They got the jiggy. Mm-hmm. They are jiggy with it. <laughs> Indeed. Oh my goodness. Um, oh, I got a, a bully seed. I might have had the uh, IRC cacophony close there for a second. So um, let's make sure we get this goat out of here, shall we? Well, huh, you know, just, she's, she's going to boost the goat back together. We got to make sure that, you know, the goat gets out. Yeah, good as new. Yeah, good as new. Get on. Get on out of here with your back. Get out of here, you, you little rascally goat. Yeah. You know, back to the line with you. <laughs> back to the line. <laughs> <laughs> Hope for the best. Demiurge 101. Back to the end of the line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't get to leave the line. You're here forever. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, we, you got the uh, station ID and what time we go live and where to find us. Uh, boo at BehindTheSchemes.com or Lavish at uh, BehindTheSchemes.com. Both of those mm -hmm. uh, emails are ways that you can reach out and hit us up with something if you got to. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is a value, val value for value production. So, uh, reach out and make this the show that you want to listen to. It's the world upside down. Boost my, boost my bitch up. Boost my bitch up. Punishing people with this audio onslaught. To both of you guys, I, I never heard of you. I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. We're really powerful <laughs> with MK Ultra over here. A mental mindfuck can be nice. I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. 612-263-7999 is the easiest way that you can reach out and help produce this uh, production. Indeed, 612-263-7999. Seven nine nine nine. Call us toll free. We don't screen anything. Let us know what's on your mind. If you've had a rough day, scream at us. We'd love to hear you scream. And here's our first one for tonight. You know, we wake up at three thirty after a good uh, four hour uh, sleep. Go to work for nine and a half hours. And then you go running. You're on mile thirteen. You know, it's just a great day. It's just a great day. Yeah. Because when you're running, when you're running, when you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world's smiling at you. Smiling at you, Mr. Lavish, Mr. Lavish, Mr. Blueberry, Mr. Blueberry of the apocalyptic yeah. sleeping time. I don't know. So, what do you do? What do you do? I'm mile 13, mile 13. You call, 
get called behind the schemes, behind the schemes, and then you start going faster, and then you start going faster, and hopefully you don't run into anything before you die, and you get home safely. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. All right, gentlemen, look, guys, stay dangerous, and whether you're tired or you're fully awake or you're somewhere in between, maybe even if you're just dead, you say, Indeed. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. Oh, God. I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> oh, my God. You just unleashed the, the Mega Cube. Yeah. <laughs> Put that back in the box. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank you very much for your call, Chris- Comrade Christopher Battles. Comrade Battles. Thank you, caller. He is a man who knows how to hustle from one spot to the next. Yes, indeed. The, the Christopher Battles doesn't stop. Keeps going. <laughs> It just this is gonna keep going. It's gonna keep going. Yeah. Um. That was the only voicemail that we have. Well, I I wouldn't say that. I think that somebody in their in their tummy has a call for us right now. If they would call us at six one two two six three seven nine nine nine, I'm sure that we would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. We you can also text that number. And we did have a message come in from Sir Candinavian. And he said he invites uh, me and you to, I'm not sure what. Uh, oh, Lavish ha- has... Victoria, I believe. Yeah. The, uh, oh, okay. He's saying that um, you're invited now that we can enter Scandinavia. Yes. According to Sir Scandinavian, the, I guess the, the borders are open and you can go in there again. About goddamn time. Yeah, man. Scandinavia, why don't you fucking get your shit together, huh? <laughs> and um, and then he sent a, a a link to a website. You should reach back out to me, Sir Cannon Navy, because I tried to look this up and I wasn't um I wasn't sure what it was leading to. <coughs> um, but yeah, that's uh that's all we got for messages. Uh, shall we? You want to do a little die roll? You know, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. D twenty highest gets to choose. How about that? Ah, uh, classic. I rolled a five. Oh shit! I got a thirteen. Lucky thirteen. Lucky, lucky, ducky. All right, my friend. What'll it be? I kind of want to go first. Please do. Um. Well, so I do have a carryover from last week, but before I do that, I gotta hit this mute button for a second. No, he's muted. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little choky right now. <laughs> oh gosh, you gotta quit smoking blunts, man. Uh, that, yep, that's 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 me ripping blunt blunts. Yeah, bluntberry. Bluntberry. <laughs> Blueberry's way more famous than Frankenberry. <laughs> <laughs> that Frankenberry ain't shit. He ain't shit. He don't know shit about fuck. No, no ass about dick. Nope. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Wrong. Um, I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want to go with a, a modern? So, 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 you, you so. Want, you want to do some mofo so 
Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew you were excited about this one. Um, is Tingles my jingles? Yes. Tell me, where is this symbol of the Zoso famous from? Are you familiar? I am indeed familiar. Uh, so, yes, you obviously are known in certain circles as Zoso, or as the Zoso moth, or the moth of Zoso. Well, te- but technically it's Zosobi. Zosobi, Zosobi mm-hmm. as well. And our our notes, our substack is called zososcorner.substack.com. But Zoso is particularly famous as the uh, as the artwork and as the symbol of Led Zeppelin Four and of Led Zeppelin in general, the album Led Zeppelin Four, which is considered one of the greatest rock albums of all time. Uh, now this was a kind of a traditional, uh, a step away from traditional album releases. Uh, I don't believe that there was any singles released from this album because the band's management wanted people to go out and buy the full disc. Uh, this is correct. This was a joint decision between, I believe, uh, uh, Peter Grant, the manager and, uh, Jimmy Page, the guitarist and main producer and kind of, uh creative driver of Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to do singles. They wanted people to get the record. And then if I may, if I may interrupt, I believe that the Zeppelin four, which is famously uh, just a guy, like it's a painting of a guy walking in a field, carrying sticks, like a, a peasant, <laughs> an old peasant man, a bundle of sticks, <laughs> a bundle of sticks, if you will. <laughs> and it was kind of uh, ahead of it itself it was kind of unique because it didn't have any words on the cover at all it didn't have the name of the band it didn't have the name of the album it didn't have anything written in anything it just is the image and then on the back it says zoso and uh yeah i i love this album i think this is one of the uh, probably the first zeppelin albums that i acquired it's got uh Stairway to Heaven and Misty Mountain Hop and When the Levee Breaks. Yeah. It's got a lot of bangers on it. It's a classic album, man. Um, yeah. But this uh, this story actually kind of came up in conversation on a No Agenda social thread with Make Heroism. And I, I forget the name of the other gentleman. Um, but we were talking about the origin of the word Zoso and uh, discussing where this album was recorded at. Uh, because mm-hmm. it was a, it, it's an interesting point of discussion uh, to know the types of locations that Jimmy Page was into p- procuring. <laughs> mm. um, but uh, as it stands with the Zoso symbol, there is a general mis—I uh, shouldn't even say misconception. Misconception. It is just a general perceiving of the actual symbol, and it goes a little something. Uh, like this. In this clip, if I remember it correctly, um, this is, uh, I used to be kind of bad about this. You ever go up to somebody and you're like, huh, name three songs from that band of the t-shirt that you're wearing. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't do it all the time, but I definitely had my moments of like, oh, <laughs> this guy's wearing a Misfits cardigan. Oh, that is so cool. Like, oh, dude, are you into Michael Graves or Glenn Danzig? And he's just like, I just wear it because i like the, sh- the sweater i was like oh, i just like the way it uh, looks okay uh 
That's you're that guy. You're like, oh, did you like it when they went to Studio City in 1979 and did this with this guy? He's like, uh. Um, so this is, uh, I thought this is a pretty good general conception of the Zoso symbol. I can't think of another one. I said, well, man, you're a poster. You got to know your Zeppelin songs and you can't have a Zoso symbol on your t-shirt, you know, and not know your Zeppelin. You got to know your Zeppelin if you got the t-shirt on. Fired one up for him, you know, and, and, and so he failed that one. And I said, well, you know what the Zoso sign is all about, right? He wasn't doing anything either. You know what the Zoso symbol stands for, right? Which is a weird symbol that you see on Led Zeppelin for in the album cover. You know, he said, no, you know, fumbling around, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, you could impress me with all the Zeppelin knowledge in the world, when they played, what they played, what song came out when, who's in the band and who left and who died when and who threw up on there. You know, you could, I'd be, I'd be impressed with all that, but I would be super incredibly impressed if you knew anything about the Zoso symbol, Z-O-S-O. You know, and the big tribute band is out there, and they're great, and they're called Zoso, and they've been doing it for many years. But that is what is widely known as the Zeppelin symbol. And the truth is this, nobody really knows what it means, you know, or where it came about. Look it up. You'll find nothing concrete. Anybody that claims to tell you that they know what the Zoso symbol means and act like they're talking about is, has no idea what they're talking about. Just laugh at them and say, you don't know what you're talking about. Now, see, I was thinking, if the kid had said to me, I don't know what the Zoso symbol is because nobody knows what it's about. <laughs> I would have bowed down onto my knees in respect. I am not worthy. But nobody would ever say that. And, and, and well, this is the moral to this story. Don't wear logo t-shirts. <laughs> I stopped doing that a long time ago because any random clown could come, come up and say something to you uninvited. You know, who wants that? Who wants some guy to just say something to you on account of what t-shirt you're wearing? Uh, so... I. This is why I only wear behind the scheme shirts now. Yeah. So if anybody comes up to me and goes, "Oh yeah, you like behind the schemes?" Name three episodes, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I will." <laughs> uh. Um. So I'm generally I, I don't uh, I'm not in agreement with his with his sentiment. I do think that there was a uh, some effort put into the picking of not only the Zoso, oh excuse me the Zoso symbol but uh, uh, every each member of the band got their own symbol and uh, Jimmy Page had chosen the Zoso symbol uh, Robert Plant had a circle surrounding a feather John Bonham had the Trinity rings and um, I believe John uh, John Paul Jones had the Trinity knots. Uh, yeah, a more Celtic-looking symbol. Yeah, let, let's let's uh, let's get into a little bit of the uh, the four symbols. After Led Zeppelin three, the band would take an extended break from performing in order to begin planning the blueprints of their follow-up. Engineer Andy Johns had worked with Zeppelin on their previous outing and suggested that the band utilize the Rolling Stones' mobile studio. With it, they could record anywhere. But rather than paying to stay at Mick Jagger's home, members of Fleetwood Mac suggested recording in a remote country house. So in the winter of 1970, Led Zeppelin would head to the haunted Headley Grange. Void of any distractions or deadlines, it would be the ideal environment to focus purely on the album and have them live in the music. On their quest there, Page and Plant visited an antique shop. There, they found a 19th century oil painting of an old man bent over bearing a bundle of sticks on his back. Page was obsessive when it came to the occult and thought the man resembled George Pickingill. 
He was thought to have been the father of modern witchcraft. The image also closely resembles the Ten of Wands tarot card, a symbol representative of carrying a burden and the need to rise to responsibilities. Very fitting, considering the pressures their fourth album was now placing on them. They bought the photo, eventually placing it on a partly demolished home to capture the album's cover. Within the gatefold stands the reworking of another tarot card, the Hermit. With his lantern, he acts as a guide for those seeking to acquire wisdom. Again, fairly representative of the group's upcoming crusade, but nowhere on the jacket was their information on the band. Instead, they were all tasked with choosing a rune, a symbol representative of their state of mind, an opinion, or anything they felt strongly about. The Feather of Mott, Egyptian goddess of justice and fairness encompassed within a circle, the emblem of a writer, belonged to none other than Robert Plant. The Bromian Rings, depicting man, woman, and child, resided with John Bonham. A Celtic knot, portrayed a person both confident and competent, was chosen by John Paul Jones. Finally, Zoso. Designed by Page himself, it wasn't intended to be a word at all. Its meaning remains a complete mystery. Now, I do have these. I went out and I took the time to track down a PDF copy of the books that he's referencing in this clip. Uh, He's talking about Jimmy Page uh, coming in into possession of a a book of symbols. Mm -hmm. And that is the first uh it, that should be the, the first pdf that's linked in tonight's show notes okay um, so you can check that out and uh this book was let me get the name of it again um the book of signs by rudolph uh cock ah <laughs> uh, definitely not a fake name and this is a this is a phenomenal Coke, book k-o-c-h i like it yeah I mean, there is no shortage of, of all sorts of classic symbols within this book. I think it's a beautiful resource, all things considered. Um, so I would highly recommend that you swing by and check that one out, if you haven't already. Uh, it's got, I just got to read the first page here. It says, contains all manner of symbols used from the earliest times to the Middle Ages by primitive peoples and early Christians. Yeah, oh, there's tons of... Uh, uh, sort of uh, sun worship symbology, cross crosses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Tons of it. And uh, I mean, it's even got uh, really big, bold um, uh, astrological symbols, which would be very fun to turn around and use in some show art or something. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, down on page 49, they have a really cool interpretation of the four elemental signs, which are typically depicted as triangles uh, with a line drawn through them. But in this one, uh, the two with the line added are air and earth, and they have almost like a crescent moon added to the end of it, uh, in, uh, in, added to the end of the line uh, drawn inside of the triangle. And I, I like it, man. It's uh, This is a really cool book. Um I agree. I'm looking through it right now. It's pretty neat. It would be curious if uh, if people do go through and start checking this out. Uh, maybe consider taking a snapshot of uh, or a screenshot or something of one of the symbols. You could do a little bit of um, Led Zeppelin magic and choose a symbol that best speaks to you. Yeah, it's, it was very occult magic of uh, Jimmy Page and all these guys to do this. To literally sort of do like an incantation or a <clears throat> a glyph that would imbue the album with power. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's a whole slew of alchemical signs in the background. Like, there's even one for borax. Like, how fucking cool is that? Olive oil? <laughs> Glass? Yeah, some of these I've seen before. The olive oil one, I saw, this is going to be lame, but I saw it in a video game called uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. Not and familiar. You haven't. It's it's cool. You're set. You it takes place in like uh, in in medieval Hungary or something. And there is an alchemical table that you can go to, and you can make potions. And the ingredients on there it has oil, it has water, it has uh, spirits, and they are marked with the symbols that I can see in this book. Oh, nice! So th- that game must have done their homework, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Um, well, so what's interesting is, uh, the symbol that Jimmy Page ended up choosing, I was always under the assumption that it was, um, kind of a, a graphic depiction of the word Zoso, but it is not actually a word. Um, right. But what it is, is a sigil. Do you want to take a guess? Do you want to guess what the sigil is used for? Oh, I'm sure it represents some planet. Perhaps maybe some uh, satanic planet. Perhaps even the satanic planet. Maybe even Saturn itself. Uh, You got it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Page was a Capricorn, so it it makes perfect sense for him to sort of identify with this Saturnic symbol. Um, Uh, Yes, Capricorn and Saturn are, uh, they, they indicate one another. The uh, the second PDF that I have linked. Um, so John Paul Jones and and uh, uh, Robert um, John Bonham. Excuse me, John Bonham. Thank you. Uh, and John Paul Jones. You're right. Yeah. John Paul John Paul Jones both chose symbols from that first book. Jimmy Page's choice of sigil came from the second PDF that's listed in the uh, in the show notes for tonight, uh, which is some. It's uh, translated. Uh, but it's it basically means Red Dragon. Uh, oh, excuse mm-hmm. me, the Grand Grimoire with the Great Clavicle of Solomon. Um, but I also did find other references where it's called the, the Red Dragon. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, uh, it makes an appearance in some versions of the book. Uh, the, there's a really good website uh, at the top of the show notes that I pulled most of this information from. I'll go ahead and share that with y'all in the chat room. Um, but yeah, it's I, I never realized that it was a Saturnian uh, symbol. That was yes. uh, it surprised me. Yeah, it is kind of weird when you learn that. You're, oh God, another reason why these guys were just total Satanists. <laughs> now there is probably a, a basis for, I guess the the just the sort of word Zoso um, catching Jimmy Page's uh, attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a guitar that he was uh, gifted. Um, let me see if I can find the name. Um, it, one of his first guitars was the Grazioso guitar. G-R-A-Z-I-O-S-O. Grazio mm-hmm. guitar, uh, which is, it's not quite the same spelling by any means, but it's close. It has, it's, Zoso's kind of in there a little bit. Yeah, definitely would, you know, if that's, 
if you're, you know, this is your first guitar. I mean, it means a lot to have your first instrument, right? And then you're flipping through this book and you're trying to find this symbol. It makes perfect sense that something like that would catch your catch your attention. Sure. And it was bad it was badass too. It was like a fifty nine or something. Mm-hmm. That thing would be worth so much money now. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um so uh yeah, it's it's definitely no um no secret that Jimmy Page has always been into sort of a heady, esoteric, and occultic-related material. Yes, black magic, if you will. Yes, and that's actually uh, part of the title for my next clip. Um, what do former groupies like uh, Lori Maddox think of Jimmy Page's ties to the occult? Uh, we'll, we'll hear it in this next clip. The cloud of mystique that shadowed the band grew with the news of Jimmy Page's interest in Aleister Crowley, an early 20th century Englishman aligned with black magic and demonology. Page's fascination with Crowley led many to believe he was into black magic himself. I think he was absolutely fascinated with the man and the knowledge of the will. I don't think, I mean, you know, he owned a lot of manuscripts and he, he bought the Inverness Castle. That was also Crowley's. And I think with it, he had purchased a lot of manuscripts. And at one point, he had a bookstore in England, an occult bookstore. And he was really more fascinated by the knowledge of it. It was a sincere fascination, and I think he took a lot out of it. And I think it came through in his music, a lot of that amazing depth and, you know, mystery and all that came out in his music. He was very interested in those types of things, otherworldly things. You know, all that selling the soul to the devil, so that's just bullshit. None of that took place. <laughs> None of it. I mean, the whole myth about selling their soul to the devil, we want you to cut your hand in blood, we want you to make a pact, you're going to be a wreck. Oh, fuck off, put the fucking devil in your shit. Get out of here, you know, I mean, that... I mean, he, he just wouldn't... What the hell are you talking about? I mean, it, it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> nice capped it off yeah um so this is a this is a going to be a reoccurring theme that um most of the quote-unquote allegations levied against uh, jimmy page are brushed off because they they fall um fairly short and stopping at oh well he's just worshiping the devil and uh yada 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 um one of the general memes that I've always remembered from Led Zeppelin is, of course, that they sold their soul for rock and roll. Um, but there was one person in the band that ended up backing out at the last second, and he was the one that never really went on to a achieve that sort of like um, that same name recognition. Uh, certainly, just as talented, if not more talented, I would argue. But uh, the the dude that backed out of the uh, agreement or the ritual was none other than John Paul Jones. And mm -hmm. uh, because he had uh, refused the ceremony, he was sort of um, stuck living in this life of, quote-unquote, uh, not anonymity, but he just wasn't as recognized, even though he's went on to do like tons and tons of producing and studio work. And, and was arguably the best musician in the, in the group. Yeah. I, I, would, I would say that's actually an easy argument to make. He was... An insane musician. He, I mean, he was the bassist, but he also played organ. He played piano, yeah, and uh, was a was a very virtuistic, virtuo virtuoistic musician. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, uh, but 
this uh, this segment's not really focused on the rest of the band. Sadly, uh, we're kind of kind of just uh, spending a lot of time with Jimmy Page here. Um, one of the I have th- one last parting thought, if if I may, mm-hmm. just on the on the four symbols together. Um, this is from the book that I read, "When Giants Walk the Earth" by Mick Wall, a biography of Led Zeppelin. He just says that because the, these four symbols go as such: it's it's plants first, the feather, and then the two in the middle are JPJ and Bonzo. Uh, and then the last one is, um, is Zoso is Jimmy Page, and the the sort of meaning behind the order of that is that the two strong personalities, being Plant and Page, are on the outside. They fortify the symbol, the glyph, and then the 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 backbeat and the heart of the band, the the, the rhythm section are in the middle, and the, the you know not as as bombastic personalities. And they say, according to the book, from what I remember, I'm kind of going off memory, but they said that uh, Plant's symbol of the feather is is sexual. Like, it was like, you know, a butt tickler or something. <laughs> oh. Because that guy was just freaky deaky, man. That guy yeah. lived to just do, you know. Fucking standing naked on top of the hotel or whatever it was, announcing to Los Angeles that he is a golden god. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. I think so. I, yeah, his symbol is a butt feather. Butt feather. <laughs> butt Get feather. Butt feather. Come, butt feather. <laughs> butt feather. <laughs> oh, butt feather. I barely know her. <laughs> well, uh, there was a great, 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 great episode of Up Is Down featuring Dean Reiner, where he ends up talking at length about what we're going to hear in this next clip, uh, which is uh, ties into self-deification, which I am always going to be a big fucking huge fan of, is um, you know one way that you can, uh, I guess, start rattling the cages of the Matrix is to assume that you know you're going to be more than what confides you right now. That mm-hmm. it's just through sheer willpower that you're going to bust through and uh, do something. And, um, you know, I really love it. That's why I, even if I do know your, uh, your earthly name, <laughs> if we could call it that, uh, I'll always, always, always refer to somebody um, by their IRC or <laughs> no agenda social handle. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, me too. I found when I meet people in real life, they're like, actually, my real name is Tim. And I'm like, no, it isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to me. Yep. Uh, so this, uh, this next clip gets a little bit into that self-deification. He's somebody who, you know, was a young man who was literally changing the history of rock music. You know, like yeah. while he was doing it, he was changing pop culture. He was absolutely could feel why somebody like Crowley's ideas about will and a libertine lifestyle, you know, not caring what the um, what the church thinks of you, not right. Um developing your own spiritual practice that puts you in charge, not a priest or a rabbi or any, or a guru, right? It puts you 
in charge of your own destiny. I mean, of course, that's going to be something that Paige would see as inspiring to him, right? Um, so, so I don't. So, I think that as much as there was sort of a pop culture sort of luridness, but also fear of these things. And there were also musicians and record labels that were sort of excited about how to monetize and take advantage of that. There were in the midst of that musicians that were also serious about how these ideas and these practices could inform them as artists. And, you know, that's, that's the, that's the nature of rock and roll is these bands come out and they influence a younger generation to follow in their footsteps. And then that's how you get the Motley Cruz. And then the generation says, well, this is kind of not fun anymore. And then they turn around and start wearing flannel and the record industry creates grunge. And, <laughs> and, and those just, guys get tired of that. And then they start putting giant things in their ears and. Just goes on and on and on. Yep. Um, now, Jimmy Page, uh, of course, is has played outside of uh, Led Zeppelin. He mm -hmm. was actually pegged as a producer. Excuse me, not a producer. Um, pegged as a composer for a film. Do you know anything about this one? Oh, I, jeez. Uh, uh, hmm. There's some film that he did. It was definitely like a spooky film. Yes. That he, that he did. Please he, enlighten us. The track or the movie was called Lucifer Rising. Uh, Lucifer Rising. Shot and directed by fellow occultist Kenneth Anger. Um, I think the project ended up uh, kind of falling apart or there was a falling out between the two. Uh, this clip is from Kenneth Anger uh, as he's discussing Jimmy Page. Just one question regarding Jimmy Page. Well, let me, let's go over here. Did, um, the decline in his guitar playing in um, 1976 have anything to do with his failure to, to deliver your sound? Right, yeah. No. The reason why he didn't deliver the soundtrack was that he had a problem with the heroin and that was interfering with his work and uh, it, you know I I tried to help him get, get over it because it was really interfering with his life and, uh, he's a very wonderful person and uh, I think eventually I hope he, he has got over it now everybody's cursed now uh it's actually yep. uh it's actually um uh, hypothesized that the director cursed jimmy page for failing to deliver and um you know there was definitely a falling out between the two um i do have an excerpt from that track. We don't have to listen to the full thing. I, I have two minutes of it, but um, uh, you want to check a little bit of it out? Surely enough. And this this is the uh, this is part of the music that was recorded at the Bullskin House, uh, which is famously owned by Aleister Crowley. It's uh, right there on Loch Ness. 
and uh, well, I actually have a whole series of clips that we'll uh, get into Bullskin, but uh, this is the that's type- where Crowley uh, tried to uh, commit to some of his gnarliest rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, well, here's a here's an excerpt from Lucifer Rising. <laughs> Uh, producing that on tape. Mm-hmm. A like, little demo action. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that little reversal in there. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Might have to use this for something sometime. Um. But yeah, the whole forty minutes of it is uh posted up on the blue tube, so you can head over and check it out if you so choose. Hmm. Um. Now we've 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 heard enough from other people. Surely it's time to let the man himself speak, don't you think? Aye. Your involvement in the Golden Dawn. Oh my! And she was asking about uh, Jimmy Page's involvement with a uh, uh, this ancient uh, Hermetic order that was once headed up by uh, none other than Aleister Crowley. Mm-hmm. Sons of the Golden Dawn. There are a couple of uh, buildings on Mason Street, on Masonic, I should say, in San Francisco, that uh, have plaques on them that are sponsored by the Sons of the Golden Dawn. <laughs> sponsored by the... <laughs> sponsored by the Golden Dawn. Sponsored by the Golden Dawn. <laughs> Become illumined today. I never leave my house without illumination. In fact, I never leave my house. Uh, I'll take this clip back started over Your involvement in the Golden Dawn Oh my involvement in the Golden Dawn Is in so much as I was Pretty I was very interested actually In in Eastern and Western mysticism And I Spent Time reading and researching When I was younger Um yeah, I guess I guess that's it. That 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 that's it. there were some there were some very eminent characters in the Golden Dawn, and uh, I found it very interesting to see the history of those that had been in it, and this sort of esoteric movement, and also sort of what went on, uh, the offshoots of it, uh, of that sort of love of all things mystical and magical, all things bright and beautiful, really. Um, do you think that's why people did that thing when they played Stairway to Heaven backwards and said that you were talking about Satan? Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm going to go straight back to the Beatles here because there, there, was, there was a time when somebody wrote a thesis about Paul McCartney being dead and Paul is dead and if you played back the records, I'm very serious here, it's, it's crazy, but if you played back the records there was something which said Paul is dead and so then 
they started to play back all manner of records, and of course we were going to be main candidates for it. And, um, <laughs> and somebody, somebody said, oh, it says My Sweet Satan in it. And I thought, oh, gosh, it's hard enough writing the music one way around. <laughs> <laughs> There's an error in his statement. The, uh, the record's not surmised to say Paul is dead. Uh, it's, it's actually says, turn me on, dead man. There's, uh, there's two. There's two songs. Number nine, played backwards, says, turn me on, dead man. Or the part where it says number nine. Number mm -hmm. nine. If you play that, it says, turn me on, dead man. But if you play the end of I'm So Tired, when John Lennon says, it's kind of just like some gibberish he does at the end. If you play that backwards, it says, Paul is dead, man. Miss him, miss him, miss him. Oh, you're right. I had forgotten about that one. Well, shit. Yeah. Yeah, just random music trivia in my head about that. For sure. Um, have you ever have you ever went to play Stairway, Stairway Backwards? Oh, sure. Yeah, the, the, whole, uh, the whole second part, if you play it backwards, it's like, it's like a whole paragraph. It goes something along the lines of, here's to my sweet Satan. The one whose little path would make me sad, whose power is Satan. Uh, and he will give with him 666 uh, and some other stuff, too. It goes on and on. I do have two clips pulled as examples. It's actually uh, from um, a public broadcast from a church organization. They're sitting there demoing the backmasking in the... Oh, uh, I've seen this clip. Yeah, this is funny. Uh, do you, do you want to check out? Uh, some of it at least they're they're kind of long but they are long but you can play if you could play like a minute or two that'd be perfect all right i'm gonna fast forward now and you can kind of get a feel for the song very mellow you know almost pretty very yeah. interesting guitar I, I noticed one little phrase here because you know sometimes words have two meanings right. that's in the second verse there I, that really caught my and i attention. think you know we've proved that tonight Revolution number nine, number nine has says turn me on dead man backwards. Mm -hmm. Two meanings. Uh, other pieces in here, there's a feeling I get when I look to the West. And in medi uh, medieval times, the West was the direction of hell because that's where the sun died in the West. Sun was born in the East, that was the direction of heaven. There's a feeling I get when I look to the West and my spirit is crying for leaving. Uh, and I'll read the last verse for you because it's very interesting. It says, and as we wind on down the road, our shadows taller than our soul, there walks a lady we all know who shines white light and wants to show how everything still turns to gold. And if you listen very hard, the tune will come to you at last, when all are one and one is all, to be a rock and not to roll. If you listen to the tune... All right, now you you're going to hard, play this backwards. Right. To get critics even, you know, or the skeptics, to show them what I'm going to do, I've actually taken the exact piece of tape that you just heard it off of, and I've reverse thread the machine, and I'm going to play that exact piece of tape backwards now. Okay, okay just Proved to that you've not doctored it. I have it not in any doctored way. it in any way. All right, let's let's go ahead and start. something there all right listen for i live with satan exactly you might want to turn it up just a little out here on the floor i live with satan listen again all 
because I live with Satan. How many in the audience heard that? All right. Now, now let's, let's get that vote on videotape here. How many actually heard that? Spoiler alert. Most of the crowd ends up raising their hand. Uh-huh. Um, and, the, of course, the rest of the video has got plenty of other examples that, the, that they're highlighting uh, as they're sitting there playing through select selections of the song. Yes. I, personally, I think that little section is a little dubious, but, you know, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's funny, because if you go and watch the video for this, they have a call-in number, and guess what the f- last four digits are uh, of their telephone number? Oh, no, is it sexy? It's 2020. 2020. Which... I don't know. Like I always kind of got the vibes that if you squinted really hard, maybe 2020 could possibly look like Zoso. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like Z-O-Z-O, Z-O, so. You know, like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's possible. You know, it was just a, a little coinky dink. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, there's uh, the uh, other classic examples are in the rest of that. Um, sadly, that clip is much longer that I have. Uh, so we'll skip that and uh, continue forward because uh, really the gestation of this uh, this dive started with uh, did Led Zeppelin record Led Zeppelin four at the Bullskin House, uh, which is not the case. They they ended up getting a, a recommendation. I think it was from Fleetwood Mac um to record at the other location uh that name escapes me but it was also reported to be haunted uh so spooks abound around led zeppelin no doubt um but uh this is a quick series of clips we'll uh, we'll probably go through them pretty quickly uh just to get the full scope of what's going down but um this is a short presentation on the bullskin house and uh, the sort of shit that you might find yourself getting into there. This was the real, real major step for Crowley when he thought that he was leaving behind the Golden Dawn and all its sort of milk and water magic and moving into the world of sort of real magic. And he was perfectly willing to take on black magic. He was willing to use any forces that he possibly could, that he could control. Crowley decided to perform the Abramelon, a black magic ritual that no magician had dared undertake for centuries. Crowley's so dedicated to performing the Abramelon ritual that he actually goes to the length of seeking out and finding the perfect place and buying a house to do the actual ritual in. Nothing else, just actually to do this ritual. And it's uh, in Loch Ness, Beleskin House. This is such an extreme thing to do. This is not a game. He, I think he's trying to break down, he's trying to push further than anyone else has been before. At the moment, his yardstick is the Golden Dawn, so he's already shattering that completely. The Abramelon dates back to the 14th century. The aim of the six-month ritual is to master demons, but it was considered extremely dangerous. If the ritual went wrong, it was believed that evil spirits could be set loose and take possession of the magician. Mm, super dramatic, super spoopy. <laughs> Brian Cox, always <laughs> narrating these things. Six months. Six months of work to summon... And very, very stringent. Yeah. 
very strict guidelines that uh, that he had to operate inside of to perform it correctly, which, you know, Crowley is like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, Crowley's the poster child of fucking hedonism. And yep. this ritual that took six months, he had to live on bread and water and had to just do everything precisely for hours and hours a day, every day for six months. It was never going to happen. Never going to happen. And uh, I, I think this next clip actually gets into some of the details and we might hear a little from the man himself. The Abramelin ceremony has an introduction which states that nobody should perform this ceremony. Red rag to a bull with Alistair. Crowley, at a time when he did it, had a lot of determination to delve as deeply as he could into the occult. He certainly did do uh, partially the Abramelin ceremony in the house, which is to do with conjuring up one's guardian angel. Um, but in order to do that, you've got to release a lot of other spirits of one sort or another. Um, even in broad daylight, the room he was working in became almost pitch dark and he had to light candles and this sort of thing to continue what he was what he was about. Deep mouth from their thrones, deep seated, the choirs of the eons declare the last of the demons, the kingdom is thine to inherit. What I Damn fool, forgot to close the door. <laughs> Oops. Oops, did I do that? <laughs> he did one of the classic blunders. Oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, that's uh Crowley ends up giving up. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I know that that's quite shocking. Um, and uh, we'll find in this next clip, uh, we find ourselves running into Jimmy Page and um, uh, the dude that we had been listening to in this private uh, in these couple previous clips. That was one of the uh, groundskeepers. Um, in this next one, we'll be hearing from uh, one of Page's uh, friends and a photographer that was hanging around in the area at the time as well. I have a healthy respect for what the occult can do and and how it can really muck up your life. Crowley, in his absolutely typical way, broke off the ritual. He just couldn't be bothered to go on because it really is pretty exhausting, you know, living on bread and water and, and getting up at three o'clock in the morning with invocations and all kinds of things. It's nothing so much as like being a monk, only harder. And so Crowley gave it up. If you do that kind of thing, you get possessed, in a certain sense. Things get inside you and use you for their purposes. Lead guitar, Jimmy Page. Led Zeppelin's Jimmy Page took a more serious interest than most. He studied Crowley closely. He collected Crowley's paintings and books. And in 1971, Jimmy Page bought Boleskine House. Jimmy Page was deeply involved in the occult, or deeply interested, perhaps. I had no idea why he bought Boleskine House, the estate. I hadn't ever heard of Alistair Crowley. So arriving at Boleskine and discovering 
one that it has a history and a past and a pretty weird past at that two that there are certain things still going on there three there are people who will visit the place to to experience this and even practice it and four that one of my oldest friends seemed to be actively involved one way or another in this uh, was that was there was a lot of things to sort of take in Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you be supportive of me, Lavish, if I went and bought Aleister Crowley's uh, old stomping grounds? Come on. You really got to ask me that? <laughs> Come you on, You know guy. the answer. Come on, bud. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, wait. Can I, can I come, too? <laughs> I come by. I'll tell you what. I'll buy groceries. <laughs> just, just let me sleep in the... In the in the bathroom or something. Hell yeah. You just come back with fucking loaves and loaves and loaves of bread. <laughs> oh my goodness. Plenty of bread and water. That is very Satan-y. <laughs> Never has bread and water been more satanic. Never. Never and ever. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Never has. Never has bread. Never has bread, man. There's Redman. Uh, Redman. This, this is uh, this is my final clip on this uh, short series. We'll um, we'll be hearing a little bit of what uh, what went bump in the night here at Bolaskin House. Crowley, when he was raising the various demons and spirits at Bolaskin, failed to banish all of them back from whence they came, and that one or two residues had been left behind and he actually mentions that he had left this one bricked up in as he put it in a in the center of Boleskine house the room i was in that night was the center of Boleskine house why didn't we go mad why didn't we run out screaming our heads off we wouldn't allow that to dominate our existence for our lives. Boleskine House was essentially a family house where a family was living, having as good a time as it could as a family, and attempting to blossom as a family. You had to acknowledge that somebody would come in from outside and have some incredible freaky time while you were there. And, and you saw it and witnessed it, and they were responsible for it because of their heads. House was good at that. House responded to the, the Boleskine House responds to people. In 1991, Jimmy Page decided to sell Boleskine House. Yep, yeah, he got rid of it. 81, he said? Uh, no, he sold it in 94. 94. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's uh, two links. To uh, some actual boots on the ground footage at Boleskine House uh, that I got there for you, um, and you can actually uh, you can see parts of the estate in the fantastical cutaway that's featured in the song "Remains the Same" uh, concert movie. Mm-hmm. And the whole scene where the fool is climbing up the mountain to meet the hermit. Yeah, a music video back when music videos weren't really a thing yet. Yeah. Oh, look. Yeah, there, there you go. Making magic. Exactly. Uh, but the videos are cool, man. It's a. Uh, it was pretty, pretty done up in there. I think they're trying to rebuild it 
in some capacity. I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. Uh, and we actually have some new GIF art that'll be showing up here soon, probably tonight. I think I made it this past week, but um, yeah, I got some uh, some <laughs> chapter art that pulls directly from that hermit scene. Mm. It's, it's pretty lit, man. Which, by the way, if you're not listening in Podverse or Fountain or CurioCast or any nude podcast app, why are you denying yourself with the yeah. likes of Spotify and Apple? What are you doing? You're missing half the show when you do that. I mean, not like the audio part, but the visual element. There's yeah. so much art that you're missing when you're listening to these these old bloated platforms. Yeah, it's it's so sickening. A mental mind fuck can be nice. Literally <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Literally disgusting. Um uh I'm going to actually skip my last clip that I had on this, but I can kind of sum it up for you. Uh just to kind of um, state how much sway Jimmy pa- uh, Page has, he totally ass-blasted a, a, a magazine or a newspaper of some capacity. Uh, they labeled him as a Satanist, like wearing robes and standing over John Bonham's uh, lifeless body and performing mm. a ritual. He sued the fuck out of him and ended up winning uh, for libel, libel charges. But Jason Bonham, son of Bonzo, uh, who's also a drummer, was on the Howard Stern show in 2000. Are you familiar with this anecdote? I am not. I'm sorry, it wasn't 2000. I forget which year it was. Um, The clip's too long, but basically, Jason gets on, gets a little loose, starts telling uh, some stories from back in the day of uh, Led Zeppelin's partying, which is famed, and... He talks about being underage and doing a ton of drugs in uh, one uh, this one particular night with um, Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason Bottom shortly after retracted and recanted the entire story. Oops, just kidding. I was just joking, everybody. Yep. It was a big joke. Big joke. Um... I wonder if I could actually maybe line up the end of the clip. The partying of Led Zeppelin is legendary. Yeah. If you aren't familiar with the Mud Shark, <laughs> then I would look up the Mud Shark. Uh, but there's a lot of like weird stuff. Like there's, it's pretty well known that Jimmy Page and David Bowie were both uh, getting with a, a, a groupie who I believe at the time when they first got with her was like 14 or something. Lori Maddox, yep. She lost her virginity to David Bowie and then uh, ended up uh, starting That's a two-year right. relationship with uh, Jimmy Page. But he didn't want to get busted traveling her around, so he, he fucking set her up in some hotel and he'd fucking come and visit. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty wild shit. Yep. Uh, I'm going to see if I can maybe... I'm hoping that this is Jason Bonham's statement on his website. We'll, we'll see. Jason wrote this. Got on it. April 9th, 2019, I, Jason Bonham, gave an interview on radio with Howard Stern. In that interview, I made certain untrue and derogatory statements concerning Mr. James Page. And he goes on to give him accolades about his accomplishments. I unconditionally retract all derogatory and defamatory comments relating to Mr. Page that I made in that interview. In particular, 
It is wholly untrue that Mr. J. Page offered me any illegal substances when I was a minor or at all. I apologize to Mr. Page unreservedly for making these unfounded and untrue comments about him. Hey, are you holding? You got anything left? Uh, so yeah, that, I mean, the, the son of Jason, Bo- uh, John Bottom, excuse me, was like, yeah, no, I didn't mean any of this. And it was 2019, definitely not 2000. My apologies. Mm, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was a fun little cherry on top. Nice. Yep. Nice. And there's also a card trick called the Zoso change. Who knew? I did not. I did not know. Yeah. The more you know. And knowing is half the battle. Damn straight. Uh, so that leaves us at a crossroads, lavish. That's all. I have, that's all I have. Uh, on on Jimmy Page and Zoso, the the symbol formerly known as Zoso, uh, Saturnian sigil magic. Um, Beautiful. What uh, what do you have? Do you have what's uh, what do you want to get into for second second half? Well, uh. Just looking at the notes, I see that you actually have a very juicy subject that I would be interested in. I can hold off on whatever I was going to do for second half. If you would like to, uh, if you would like to take second half and talk about this next, I'd, I'd be perfectly happy with that. Uh, okay, I could do a little boots on the ground report during the producer segment, and then that's all I need to do tonight. Sounds good. We don't uh, have any screamels. Well, if you wanted to give us a screamel, you could give us a call at six one two. Two six three seven nine nine nine, and let us know what's on your mind. What do you think of uh, the Zeppelin situation and of just uh, Satanism in rock and roll in general? I just had a stroke of brilliance. Oh, stroke me! You don't. You're not a douchebag if you don't pro- uh, help produce this show. You know what you got? What are you? Stage fright? What is stage fright? You got stage fright, son. Stage fright. <laughs> uh don't 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 uh, don't wallow in your stage fright. Call us up 612-263-7999. Uh tell us what's on your mind. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be frightened. Don't be frightened. <laughs> Do not be stage frightened, my dear. Do not call us at 612-263-7999. We want to hear from you. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, yo. Oh. Just uh, get up there and do it. Who cares? Yeah, that's uh that'll put us at intermission. You got anything uh anything that you would like to state on your behalf about this uh intermission that you've prepared for us tonight? I do, Sir Boober. I have three words. You like space? I love space. Well, then you had three words. That's that's my. Those are my three words on the intermission tonight. Fuck yeah, <laughs> I love it. When we get back, we'll uh, well, we got ourselves maybe a little red tie action. Thank you. 
certain people turned to philosophy why I became a philosopher was that since I was a little boy I always felt that existence as such was weird I mean here we are isn't that odd of course it's odd what do you mean, what do you mean by odd well, that's what's different from even. I mean, what's odd stands out. What's even lies flat. But you can't see the outstanding without the flat background. Here's the thing standing out. 
It's odd. Each one of you is odd. Strange, unique, particular, different. But how do we know what we mean by that? Except against the background of something even that is not differentiated, like space. And so you get this philosophical itch. You begin to scratch your head and think about why is that so? Well, after a while, you realize that's a meaningless question. And you ask, how is it so? Well, that leads you into science and other investigations. So you want to know, what is it? I mean, this, this happening, this thing called existence, what is it? Seconds and counting. Twenty seconds and counting. Twelve, eleven, ten, nine. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two. One, zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower clear.
That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Welcome back to second second half of show for behind the schemes episode 119 mm-hmm, that's right it's October 3rd 2022 which did you know booberry that uh, that that's mean girls day <laughs> you know I'd seen something about it somewhere uh, but I forget what the reference was she asked the guy on October 3rd I asked such and such and such uh, what day it was it's October 3rd Oh, and that was it. That's the only thing. Damn, I should be ashamed of myself because I <laughs> really enjoy that movie a lot. Yes, yes, it's a banger, as they say. Yep, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, I'll throw an F in the chat for Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> oh, Lindsay, we know you're out there. Well, Lindsay, if you listen to the show, please call us, let us know how you're doing. Yep. Oh, I'm just kidding. We uh, we love you, Lindsay. You'll always have a spot in our heart. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> That's right. It's it's episode 119. It's October 3rd, 2022. Things are starting to get cold. Mm-hmm. Spooky season is among us. It's chilling down, man. It's game time. It's winter time. Soup season. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is the part of the show where we like to take a moment and thank all the people that came out and helped produce this week's production of Behind the Schemes. And uh, we do have a couple of people that we need to thank. Uh, yes, indeed. This is a value for value production, which means that the only producers we have are you. No corporations, no ads, no stupid reads. And we like to <laughs> shout out the people who contribute. Yes. And uh, we actually had one from last week. I did see the email come through, but I... Uh, it just, it, it escaped me. It happens sometimes. I try to stay on top of it, but uh, it doesn't always happen. But I believe this one was uh, Captain Oblivia sent us a donation through PayPal for $5.55. No, oh, thank you, Captain. Captain? Captain? Captain's log. Captain's log. Three, three, three. <laughs> three, 33, 33. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, all, all else I have to say is, look at me, look at me, I'm the captain now. Uh, we also had, um, uh, uh, you know him, you love him, you want more of him, it's Sir Earl Mittens. And uh, Lavish, I haven't had a chance to, to forward these to you, I will, uh, most definitely, but um, 
he actually sent over a baller collection of PDFs that he hand scanned and got uploaded for us. Um, really? Yes. And I will uh, attempt to figure out where the fuck I put those so I can at least tell you what they were. Yeah. Um, what are the nature of these PDFs? Let me see here. We had one for com- <laughs> Computer Freaking 2. <laughs> Computer, fr- oh, like pH freaking? Yeah. I like it. Yes. Let me, uh, I'll actually try and cat box these into the chat as we go. Cat. Um, cat, bo- cat box. Uh, we had another one called uh, Covert Action, uh, the fall 1992 edition of the magazine. Um, nice. So this first one was Computer Freaking. Next one will be the Covert Action. Uh, we had Ham Novice Survival Guide. Oh, and I assume ham radio and not like how to make ham from how to process pork. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay, just checking. Uh, and then the last one was the Tesla Coil Compendium. Oh, got to read that one. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's next on the... Oh, that's a good one. Thank you, Sir Earl Mittens. Yes, he was uh he was featured on the Epic Live episode that we did, uh episode eighty four, Fruit Earth, when we were all in Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, indeed, at the Valentine's Day roller meetup, which was a big, big smash. And uh I believe that he was visiting all the way from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. And next up was KS is here again. With his monthly support of $5 through PayPal. Thank you, KS. Appreciate. Yes, thank you very much. And that also means that Sir Crossstitch is here as well with his monthly donation of $5.33. All right. Well, thank you, Sir Crossstitch. The monthly uh, donations are a huge deal. So thank you so much. Big deal. Big, big deal. Uh, the biggest. Maybe the best ever. The best. The biggest deal. <laughs> There's never been maybe a better deal ever in the history of deals. <laughs> um, and of course, I got to shout out again, uh, Make Heroism and Mary Kate Ultra for uh, not only heading up the, the merch shop uh, totally self-sufficiently. It's fucking amazing. Um, yes, it is. But uh, they definitely got uh, a bunch of new designs up there tonight that we have to check out. I saw that there's a, a Joy Division mock-up of the shirt. Yep, I saw that one. That was delicious. Delicious. Uh, there's a Hellfires Club. It's a parody uh, behind the schemes <laughs> from a parody of from, the Hellfire uh, shirts from uh, Stranger Things. Right. Season foe. That's right. Uh, got that. Got their own homemade design of the magic word. It's a. Uh, it's sort of sigil magicy, honestly, if you ask me. But it's a slowly removing all of the letters out of behind the schemes till you get to that magic three. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Man, there's a Back to the Future logo done up. <laughs> Love it. Badradio.live. Monday, 7.30, Central. Um, the, oh my god, the They Live. That's perfect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, the classic home video box art that's uh, made up so long ago. They've got new, they've got old, they've got original, they've got they've got meme. They cover all the territory. They're they're wonderful. Oh my god, if you want a BTS 
beach towel, now is your chance. Oh, my. I'm going to get one soon. I got to do it. Oh, my goodness. There's phone cases. Oh, shit. (laughs) Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Their shirts are so good. And not only are they, they're beautiful, but they're well made. And they're they're sturdy and they they come in varying qualities and varying styles. Uh, for for all all involved, they can get one. I've been wearing them for gosh, probably a month now. <laughs> Just switching off one after the other after the other. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, so yeah, check it out. Behindtheschemes It's my new obsession. Threadless.com or behindtheschemes.shop. Either way, it'll take you there. Uh, it's also posted up in our show notes. If you're ever curious, can't find it, you can check it out. Indeed, at zososcorner.substack.com, you can find links to everything that we're talking about tonight, including the shop where you can get the great shirts. And I think that uh, wraps it for all of the donations and the shirts and whatnot. Um, I saw that you added something in here that we should definitely uh, talk about. Yes, indeed. Uh, so as I said in the first half of show, I recently went up to Seattle uh, to visit a friend that I had made while I was uh, driving across the country. And uh, she uh, took me to a karaoke bar. Nice. And we had a great time there. And I got to meet Sharky. And, uh, and Cotton Gin came through, who I had met in Casey, and brought Bizzle along with him. Because all three of them happened to be in the Seattle area. And one of the reasons why I went up to Seattle was because I knew that Cotton Gin and Bizzle were going to be there. He gave me a set of dates. And uh, I just, you know, I was still riding high on, on what I'd just done. So I don't know. I was home for a couple of days and then I just got a cheap plane ticket and went and visited everybody. And went up to Seattle for a bit. And they were kind enough to come out and, uh, and join us at the karaoke bar and drink margaritas. And... I just wanted to give him a shout out. And also I gave uh, Bizzle a shirt. It, it was the only one that I had on me, which was the one that I was wearing, but uh, she really wanted it or she really wanted a shirt. And uh, I just, I couldn't not give her a shirt if I had one in my possession. So I, I happened to be wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt over it. So I just took off my BTS shirt. I gave it to her. And then I, I just buttoned up my Hawaiian so that I wouldn't get arrested at the karaoke bar. Cause I don't know. <laughs> If I were to walk around the karaoke bar entirely topless, I'm sure somebody eventually would, you know, it attracts the wrong attention. It's so. beautifully drawn, but I just don't know if we should put two big nipples on the artwork. It's a great piece. <laughs> <laughs> really, I just wanted to apologize to her for, for giving her a dirty shirt. <laughs> well, you know. That I, I was, uh, you know, singing in. Uh, you know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> Somehow, I think it'll all work out. Shocking, <laughs> I know. Um, Shocking, I know. I know. Um, yeah. So thanks for coming out, you guys. It was so it was so nice seeing you, and to see Cotton Gin again. It was awesome. Hell yeah, dude! I'm jealous. Oh, don't be jealous. I'm sure we'll all we'll all get together and do something cool mm-hmm. eventually. Yes. <laughs> Nice and lubed up with everyone's piss from the entire evening. Uh, the, the entire evening. <laughs> I was shivering. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You've been struck by a smooth criminal. Nah. Ta. Ta. Ch-
Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, the show that year was the MTV BTS. Ooh. Hell yeah, dude. That's a Since great show. Since you're playing MJ, I might as well mention MTV. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Wait, a, yeah. I think you made the right decision. Oh, God. There's no way. There's no way I wasn't. No, she got it. You ask for a shirt, you get a shirt. Yeah. Period. Uh, um,. I think that's, uh, did you have anything else on that? Oh, other than thinking the legit bat, uh, bat people again. Um, oh, yes. Thanks to you. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. And, uh, also thanks to everybody who's sending in uh, show material. I know Dame Bullysteed, among other people, have, uh, recently contributed to send in. I came back today and, and saw everything going on on No Agenda Social, so. Thanks to everybody who sends in articles and information. It all counts. It all matters. Even if we don't talk about it right away. Um, that's yeah. another way of producing the show. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, there's definitely, um, we have a back catalog that we're going to have to, to chop through, not chop through, but um, definitely sink our teeth into. Yes. Booberry and myself, we like to hoard, uh, you know, big topics and stuff like that. We, we've got a couple growing that... <laughs> I've been in the oven for for a long time. Heaven, heaven forbid, I ever accidentally publish the uh, the unused articles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's massive. Let me tell you what. Oh yeah, <laughs> how massive is it? Oh, it's so big. Oh, it's so big. Oh, it's so big. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, we have exactly one screen mail. Do you want to do you want to risk it or do you want to save it? Uh, before we do that, anything we should say six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. You can give us a call and you can leave us a voicemail. We want phone lines aren't open, right? They're not open. Correct. So just uh, leave a voicemail. It's easy peasy. Or you can text six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. And uh, I would say we should maybe play it. Uh. Six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. Were we playing the voicemail, or are we going to save it? Let's play it so that we can say that we don't have any voicemails and that people should call in. Ah, I like it. You know what's great, man? Technology, man. Fucking computers and shit, man. It's fucking rad, man. There's so much cool shit out there that these little circuit boards and ones and zeros and shit do. Oh my god, there's cool shit everywhere. Until it fucking breaks. Till it fucking breaks up. Fucking breaks! Fuck! God damn it. Um, caller. Is it too loud? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, never mind. 
Um, caller, I think we're going to have to give you a little bit of uh, computer smash karma. Die, motherfucker, die, motherfucker, still. Yeah, one, one extra hit. One extra hit for good measure. That's right. Fuck technology, fuck AI, go back to monkey. <laughs> monkey? <laughs> go back to monkey. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, cool. Uh, and actually, we did have one squeak in. We're we're gonna we're gonna save you. We're gonna sit on you. Ooh, see, see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one. We could have more though. If you if you want to give us a call, six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. It's a toll free number. Oh, there's one more thing I'd like to clarify. Uh, C dubs. I'm really sorry about the identity mix up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. I'm not going to get into it because it's kind of weird, but I just, I'm just going to say sorry. Uh, and that I love you. That's all. That is all. How one man can shape a nation. <laughs> Reality is a lie. Uh, well, at least, at least you do it earnestly. <laughs> oh, I do. I, I, when I make mistakes, they're genuine mistakes. <laughs> Genuine, one hundred percent leather mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hang a second. <laughs> um. Well, cool. Uh. Yeah, that was a. Uh, I like it. It's good, wholesome humor. Yeah, yeah. It's for the kids at home. And if you don't know, well, if you do know, you know. But if you don't know, you can always get into our chat room. That is the best way to do anything. You get into our chat room irc.zeronode.net get yourself an irc client or go through kiwi if it's fucking working it should be working working it it should be working i i checked it earlier today sweet so in that case you can go to our website behindtheschemes.com and go and find the chat through the kiwi it doesn't take anything it's a really cool old school chat room and you can find us at hashtag green room uh and uh you can join the fun there's a lot of great trolls in here Right now, we've got all kinds of folks. There's Spencer, Cotton, Gin, Quirkus. Uh, uh, we got Servo, C-Dub, DeLorean, of course. And uh, many more who are hanging out. Most indeed. Uh, Oliver Hart, we see you. Uh, Oliver Hart yeah. is in there. Clip Custodian was in there, <laughs> which is always awesome to have Clip Custodian hanging out. And then, uh, you know, the regulars, the Spooky R, the Junta... Maybe Sir Bemrose is listening. Maybe Reese is listening. Maybe Coffee Von Dustbubble. Fletcher, Carolyn Blaney of the Hog Story, Blitzed. Abel Kirby, Cold Acid of Rare Encounter. Sharky, my man Sharky. Dark Lord RK, <laughs> the, the great Dark Lord RK. Might be listening. Serpent might be listening. You never know. You never know. You never know. You never Gotta know. give a shout out to the troll, though. Um, well, yeah. If, uh, if you want to help Produce this show, BehindTheSchemes.com, BadRadio.live. That's uh, that's the easiest way. Get in contact with us and let us know. Oh, shit. I almost blew by something again. Clip Custodian's here. He's got a, uh, he's got a clip here for me. He said, this is uh, the Clip Custodian. Here's an ISO slash test audio file. It might need a dog biscuit or two. Also, it might not be any good. I never really do ISOs that much, uh, so no hard feelings if it falls on the editing room floor. Um... <laughs> Uh, everything ends up on the floor here. Oh my goodness! Well, let's uh, let's see what it's all about. Oh baby, 
<laughs> I think that's a perfect boost, ISO. Oh, baby. Oh, my goodness. Eat it. Eat it. Eat it. Oh, I love it. That's blood, awesome. Blood, blood, blood. <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, if you thank got you, anything. Clip Custodian. <laughs> um well cool shall we uh shall we get into the the meat for the second second half are you ready? let let us uh so recently the artist known as coolio passed away at the age of 59 yes now i'm not the biggest uh coolio fan and it's not from a lack of not liking i'm just mostly unfamiliar it's uh it's one of those things where the buck kind of stopped at gangster's paradise unfortunately but um, in its day, Gangsta's Paradise was just the biggest hip hop song in the world. Mm. When it when it first came out, that album was one of the top selling albums. Coolio. I recently went to a museum while I was in Seattle. The uh, the it was the the Mo Pop something like that popular music museum or something, and they had uh, they had a, a, a hip hop section, and Coolio was there, and they had some really great old photos and stills of coolio that you probably would have done you would have loved this museum it was fucking neat it obviously had a great uh, Jimi hendrix section and uh nirvana and all that and a horror section Ooh, i like they it. had a set they had all these bodies hanging from the ceiling it was fucking great nice i like it <laughs> it sounds like my type of place <laughs> it's your type of joint you know yeah uh, you know the bodies hanging from the ceiling it really ties the room together Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really fills the space. <laughs> really adds some dynamic flair. There's motion in action. There is literal motion. They're dangling up there. Yeah. <laughs> swing, bada, 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 swing. <laughs> <laughs> you give them a slap on the head if you get them, you know, if you want. It's okay. Hell yeah. Um, no, this, is a, this is just a brief clip, kind of, uh, with some bare bones details about uh, Coolio's passing. Coolio, one of the biggest hip-hop stars of the 90s, passed away unexpectedly last night at a friend's home in Los Angeles. His longtime manager telling NBC News he may have suffered a heart attack. May have suffered a heart attack. And that was admittedly, and there might be something morally wrong about making this assumption, but that's where I went to first. Uh, Without much thought was, well, was it heart-related? Uh, just because there has been so many um, upticks in heart issues as of late. Yes, for one reason or another. Yeah. Um. So I was, I was kind of, I don't know. This is, this is kind of a weird clip. Uh, maybe, maybe we can come back and revisit this. But uh, in the video, you know, they're talking about all the tributes rolling out. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer ended up having some nice things to say about his past, or about him. Shell Pfeiffer, huh? Has a history with Coolio? Yeah, she was in the uh, whatever movie Gangster's Paradise was featured in. She was uh, she oh. actually showed up in the music video. Aha, aha. Mm-hmm. But um, let's uh, let's listen to this clip. This is uh, NBC's getting ready to talk about some of the projects that Coolio was associated with outside of music, and one of them is cooking. Born artist Leon Ivy Jr. Coolio remained relevant for decades, performing the title track for the Nickelodeon show Keenan and Kel, 
Coolio even showed off his cooking skills to Hoda and Kathy Lee while promoting his own cookbook, Cooking with Coolio. This book is not for the elitists. Who is it for? It's for the it's for the people like like you know like us. Now, I know that it it definitely sounds like he's talking about uh, non-cooking elitists, you know, non-cooking snobs. Yeah, he's talking about gourmands. But it's something about that still just kind of it it sits weird. Uh, it's the word itself, elitist. We yeah. use it so much when we talk about stuff in our sphere that when we hear it just at all, it has that connotation, much like a symbol or a glyph. And, well, it turns out... How familiar are you with, um, I guess, Coolio's history, ethics, uh, the sort of stuff that he got into? Uh, uh, I know that he had a gnarly partying reputation, and that he, I guess, was just like one of those guys. Like, uh, I, I guess I hold MF Doom in this in a similar regard of just like no matter how much money they made, they were still just from the streets, and mm. that was like what they wanted to do was just party and be from the streets and do drugs and get get into hood rat shit, <laughs> and never like settled down and ha- had a family or did any shit like that. Like he just was like ride or die his whole life. Mm. Oh, there's that's a- really all I know about Coolio. Oh, well, strap in. Uh, before we get into this next clip, um, I do have three data points uh, about his passing from his manager. Quote, as far as I uh, as far as what I know now is that he was at a friend's house and was in his bathroom and he had a heart attack. Um, the friend's house or the friend's name is undisclosed. Uh, Los Angeles Fire Department paramedics responded to the home at around 4 p.m., um, they attempted CPR, uh, for 45 minutes and were not able to revive him. And the Los Angeles police department, uh, there was a spokesperson that said that no foul play is, uh, is suspected. Uh, the great LAPD. Yeah. No foul play, bro. No foul. No play. foulage. No, no foul, no play. And you know why? Did you say which neighborhood he was in, by the way? No. Okay. Just checking. Um, but, you know, wh- <laughs> how could you ever suspect foul play? After hearing some of what Coolio has to say. You've been in the industry a long time. How was it in the music industry? That whole conversation about the gatekeeper drill, you know, the rituals, things people got to do, blood sacrifice thing. I, mean, I don't know if you got into all that, but can you kind of go there, being as though you were in the belly I, of the booth in the music industry? I've read about all of that. And I'm a, I'm a, I only can say, say my truth, and you would think that with the height of success that I had and the things I was able to do, the amount of records I sold, and actually the amount of, um, I don't want to say political power, but the amount of social power that I, that I was able to achieve, you would think that I would be a prime candidate for this for this just to be, so we could say we could call it something for to be a member of the Illuminati or a member of the elite no. society or whatever. You would think no. that I would be that they would come at me, and I, I think they did. No, it's sideways though. I never, nobody never got at me directly and said we want you to join us. And we're doing this. 
Mm. That's never happened. But I will tell you, I've had motherfuckers come at me on some weirdo shit, like on some gay shit. I've had motherfuckers oh. come at me on some, oh, you should do this type shit. And I was like, why, what? Man, what the, why the fuck would I do that? <laughs> wow. I mean, no sense. I, I, I view that as being um, inhuman. I view that as, I, I would never do that. Ah, he suffers from the same afflictions as Terry Crews. Uh, of not uh, getting in the back of the limo? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's, uh... How many times? <laughs> how many dudes? How many, uh, will it take? Anyways. I um, like the way that he goes about it, because he's obviously not trying to leak too many details. Which means that he's genuinely concerned mm. and he's trying to tiptoe oh no doubt and you will see more and more examples of that in these uh next clips um it, it's it's uh it was pretty fortuitous and uh synchronistic that you brought up the the the, <laughs> the thing with the unc dubs i thought that was really funny in relation to this next clip right when the um it was some things that i was trying to do that i felt were important Things that I that I felt would help other people, shit started happening to me. Went to jail for some bullshit. Mm. Got convicted. Well, not necessarily convicted, but because I, I didn't do no time, no real time. But little shit started happening, you know. And I never, I didn't even address the shit really because who the fuck. When you know, and when you're a celebrity, bro, when something happens, whether it's true or it's not true, once it's been said, mm-hmm. for most people it's true, <laughs> because people don't people don't do research to find out if something is true about a person or not. Whatever they hear, they deem it to be truth. Well, it sounds like he was getting a little too close to do your own research. <laughs> uh, he was going down roads he oughtn't not have yeah and then uh, all it took was just a couple of people to do a little character assassination in the, in the eyes of the public of the masses as they say uh, mm. which is again my argument for why why would you ever want to entertain the masses uh, I, don't, I don't understand that because um, you can't spell masses without asses and <laughs> I would much rather Entertain all the asses out there than the masses any day. The masses are asses. Yes. The masses. Are, masses, masses. But yeah. I see your I see the, the, the draw towards asses. <laughs> I understand. You know you know who likes the masses? Catholics, Democrats, and Karl Marx. Oh gosh. And what do all of them have in common? They're very Satan-y. And they like them young. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, but uh, no, nope. saying what? I don't know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, don't want to. Okay. Implicate uh, any anything, you know? No, it's not. It's about the implication. <laughs> End up coolioed. 
Uh, so this next clip uh, talks about what Coolio gets into what scares him, and it doesn't necessarily have to do uh, with his physical self. I'm at a point right now in my life where there's a lot of shit I know that I want to tell people. It's a lot of things that I want to teach, but I'm afraid. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm scared because I, I got four grandchildren, and I got I got and I got I got children that are in this world. I got people I care about, and they, I got people that I care about that, that that don't necessarily believe what I believe. Yeah, and I and I'm not. I have no fear of death, and I think that those that would oppose my my beliefs. They they've probably done enough. If 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 somebody's after me or if somebody's watching me, then they know enough about me to know that I have no fear of death. So killing me don't mean shit. It just it just confirms that what I said was true. Hmm. But I do have a fear of them hurting my family. Which you know I, it makes total sense. Is that's how you really get somebody? You can threaten them, but then when you threaten who they love, then that's how they have power over you, mm-hmm. or blackmail, or both. Um, that was the uh, no fear. Um, this next clip this this is by far the one that I am ready to flashlight my bell. If uh, you understand what I mean by that phrase, are you ready? I, I think I do. Yeah. It's already happened once. You know, my, my oldest son did some time in prison, and mm-hmm. he shouldn't have. It was his first offense. And people was, you know, I was going to court, and I seen people having cases that were way worse than his, mm-hmm. and not even being their first offense, and them getting off. And they didn't have a better lawyer than he had. Some of them had fucking PDs. But they got off because whether they got off or not, it didn't, you know, it didn't matter to the world now. Now, but by by them by them doing what they doing what they did to my son, it made me it made me kind of shut the fuck up. I stopped talking about what I was talking about at that time because I, I felt like I was being, you know, and, and, and listen. I could be making this shit up in my head. It could be something. I, I realize that I would never know whether it's true or not. But just to make sure that it didn't happen again, I backed off. And uh, now, now, let me say, when I backed off, shit stopped happening. So I'm more inclined to believe that maybe, maybe I was right. You know, I mean, you, like I said, I can't, I can't say. If it's true or not, but uh, like I said, those things stop happening to me. That kind of shit stopped happening to me. I stopped getting them weird messages. I stopped getting them weird emails. You know, mm. I stopped having that feeling of being watched. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Motherfucking Coolio is getting gang stalked. You know, it happens. It, it, people, other people have had uh, stories about that, like uh, uh. Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. Same shit happened to him. He says that uh, Dick Cheney's uh, Secret Service approached him during a show that he was doing in D.C. and scared the shit out of him. 
These yeah. guys go and, you know, you piss off the wrong guy and they can fuck with you. Yep. Um, and that's just life. That's not even, to call that a conspiracy is to, is to be naive. Yeah. Uh, well, to blow it off as just some crazed conspiracy is uh, naive. And I would, um, I would argue dangerous, you know, to sort of use this ideology and, and, and invert it and flip it back. I, I do think to just kind of blow something off like this is dangerous and ignorant. Yeah. And, and kind of unrealistic, you know, to think that this sort of thing doesn't happen to people, that it's impossible, you know, because it's very possible. Yeah. Uh, I looked up this, uh, <laughs> very art- probable. It's very probable. It's, it's very plausible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coolio's son, Uberi, how would you pronounce this? This name is spelled thusly G R T I S. Grits? Grits or Gertis? G R T I S. Gertis. Gertis? Yeah. Gertis? 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 Ivy, Coolio's son, who appeared on the family reality show Coolio's Rules, apparently destroying my perception of him as a family man. I'm sure he had a family, so that's, that's obvious now has just been sentenced to prison for robbing an apartment in Vegas with a hooker friend, a lady hooker friend. And he could be locked up for 10 years. He was sentenced 42 months to 120 months in prison. Damn. Has to do at least 42 months in Nevada. Ooh, rough. Let's Um, see here. Busting into a Las Vegas apartment with a gun, forcing the tenant into the bathroom while his female prostitute friend looted the place. I wonder what Coolio Coolio is saying. He knows people that's done worse. I wonder. It's pretty. It's pretty fucking bad, if you ask me. But. Well, I think the context was the people that were being charged in and around the same time. The same people. In the, uh, my interpretation was he was referring to other people that were in jail at that time, or maybe other trials who got tried back in the day, like pre nine eleven, back when people no, were just like no, got no, off, no. like simultaneously uh, in tandem. Uh, with his son's trial. Same time period. Yeah. yeah. There was probably other local things going on that were, uh, the, the crimes were worse, but the charges were less. So it was kind of like his son was getting the book thrown at him is kind of what Coolio alleges. Here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it was because he was Coolio's son and other reputation or because there was a personal vendetta is uh, kind of up in the air, but and you know it's. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that maybe uh, some of the details are fabricated. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that I necessarily believe that, but I would definitely recognize that as a possibility. Yeah, you can't trust him 100. percent Yep. Um, <laughs> this next clip is really fun. What do you think? What do you think Coolio saw? What type of what type of crazy shit do you think Coolio witnessed? <laughs> oh, uh, the imagination abounds. It's a really short one. I've seen some crazy shit. I've seen some crazy shit, bro. I've seen some shit like, wow. I've seen some shit that made me go, what the fuck? Is this really happening right now? <laughs> Is it? Oh. Yeah. Bit, okay. Some All right, then. crazy shit. Some crazy shit you say, Coolio. Yeah. Um, this is the last clip that I have from this particular interview. 
I uh, forget the name of the podcast. The age of 30. Shut up. That's an ad. Um, Hip Hop News Uncensored was the name of the channel. Uh, but this is the last clip, and I, you know, after hearing this one especially, I, I have some regrets in not being more in tune with this dude because I think, uh, I think he has a lot to say that's uh, worth taking note of. If you look at music now, if you look at the world in, in general, from from what I see, the balance is fucked up right now. If there's if there's a such thing as evil, and there's a such thing as good, mm-hmm. with this hand being good and this hand being evil, then fucking evil's up here and goods. Wait, no, e- goods up here and evil's. I win it like a motherfucker. Evil is fucking winning right now. And from, from I mean, I don't know, I don't know what y'all see from from what I see. Evil is fucking mm-hmm. winning right now, and. Music is part of that. <laughs> music is a part of it. Uh, mm. Music is influence. Just, How much music do you think is made by the force of good versus the force of evil? Um, have you been to ableandthewolf.com? Yeah. Oh, let's see. <laughs> value for value music. That seems very benign. I would, I would recommend it. Able and the Wolf. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it's it's a very subjective term for sure. Good music, bad music, uh, wholesome music, unwholesome music. I mean, I always prefer my music with a little bit of edge. I like that mm-hmm. subversive shit. You know? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there's definitely musicians out there that I think are utilized as tools. <laughs> and, um, you know, the ones that just fucking blindly play along, uh, the shine downs out there, regardless of what you think about their music, I just think they're kind of like a scummy, evil, corporate band, and they're not the only ones out there. Mm. You know, they're, not the, they're certainly not the only ones that are just lockstep shills. I mean, most of them that you hear are. And fucking, you know, all those douchebags, stay at home. You know, we're staying at home during the worst of the 2020 pandemic. Stay at home. Stay at home and get 10 boosters and fucking... Let's sing uh, Imagine from our mansions. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Ugh. God. It's real, real genuine humanity. And then fucking What's-His-Nuts ends up bringing back his Jesse character from Breaking Bad. Give me a break, bro. Oh, God. <laughs> are you serious right now? Well, it just goes to show that most uh, of these people are whoas. Whoas. Dirty, um, dirty whoas. This, uh, this is the last clip that I have of Coolio specifically. Um, we're going to kind of branch off into some of the stuff that he was espouting uh, from this point on. Um, and this is from a different... Uh, it's actually, it's not even a podcast. I'm sorry. He's uh, recording something uh, with a friend in a car, and there's some really interesting little tidbits that get dropped here and there um, that will be uh, that will that will that will be needing. Dane, I'm with motherfucking Coolio right yo, now. Yo, Dane, yo, Dane. I, I tried to reach out to you several times. 
support, I support you, bro. I, I think you, I think you one of the most important black men in America, bro. I think you need to be protected, guarded. You're, you're a treasure. He said, you know what? You're not an African. You're a Native American. He said this, and I asked him, I said, do you know Dane Calloway? And he said, yes. Of course I do. Of course he does. I, 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 knew, this, I knew this already. I knew from my from my grandparents. My grandparents, my grandparents were, were, were full blood native on my father's side, and then my mother's my mother's my mother's grandma my mother's grandfather was so my great grandfather. My mother my mother's grandfather um, is full blood full blood Chata, yeah. not Chata Chata. I know the I know the, I know the right pronunciation, and I, I, I just I, I've been trying I've been trying to tell niggas all the time what they are. That they need you, you know what I'm saying? We 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 the we the melanated we the melanated need you from from Turtle Island. I know where I'm from. Turtle Island. I know where I'm from, brother. I'm trying I'm trying to spread the word. Motherfuckers, motherfuckers listen, but they don't give a fuck. And that's 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 the shit that the white man. That's that that's that eugenic shit. You know, they're still they didn't steal that shit around people so bad that they don't they don't want to think different. You know what I mean? I support you though, yeah. bro. We support you. I support you, bro. And, you know, whatever you need, whatever you need. I got soldiers out here too, ready to ride. And they ready, they ready, they ready to put their money together too. I got niggas. That, I, 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 I got niggas. That's, I got niggas that's ready to to go to go buy a thousand acres. That and, part. And, 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 Start and, and, a fucking city. Exactly. That's what I always be talking about. Well, hopefully it was uh, mostly legible, or you know, could make it out audibly at least. Um, were you following along with what he was getting at? He, he mentioned Turtle Island, and he mentioned Native American folklore, yeah. Native American uh, uh, creation myth. So this is something that I've heard Mo Fax touch on very briefly. I don't think he's ever done any real um, exploration of it, uh, but there is uh, there's definitely a hypothesis out there that the Black Americans that we know um, from today are actually uh, the original indigenous people of America, and. Mm. There's um the the consensus is that the African slave trade that went from Africa to America was falsified and we'll uh, I have some clips that get into that a little more um but one of the dudes that uh, he actually addressed uh, Coolio addresses him right at the very beginning of the of the video was a uh, Dane Calloway I believe let me make sure I get his name right I don't want to fuck it up Dane I'm with Shut up. Sorry. Uh it was Dane Calloway, yes. Um I guess him and Coolio had plans to collaborate together to start releasing a couple of documentaries about some of the stuff that uh that Coolio wanted to discuss. And um here's Dane talking on the matter. Man, I'm I'm just I'm upset. I'm gonna be real. I'm upset so many different things that we were going to talk about exposing the industry exposing a lot of the stuff that's happening in this nation dealing with the government etc cetera, etc cetera. and i remember he was telling me he was worried about talking about certain things because he didn't know what they would do to his family he wasn't worried about what they would do to him he was worried about his children 
And I was telling him, nah, I don't even think like that. You know, just let's do this for the people. And in fact, we could we could do it educationally. So it could almost seem as if it will be flying up under the radar. But, you know, we don't got to go straight direct with it. Like, um, but I'm not saying we're going to be beating around the bush neither. Yeah, it sounds like they were ready to rock and roll in a lot of regards. Um, mm. and, and Dane even goes as far to, to say that he had told Coolio to, you know, don't uh, don't necessarily blast all of our uh, our loadout. Um, you know we're, we're not trying to ta- uh, attract too much attention before we really start popping some cherries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you need subtext, man. Yes, uh, but here's uh, here's Dane continuing. When I, we already said once he got all tore that we were going to link up and you know make things official and do things right, and whether if it be movies film some type of documentary we 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 just had the ideas and we you know i wrote some things down he wrote some things down and made some points and uh and definitely he wanted to share his platform with me to state to all of his people that yeah we they are we are the american indians Mm. Mm -hmm. this would be a massive 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 case of revisionist history if true um, and it would flip what? the it would it would flip the entire narrative of the creation of this country on its on its face. Oh yeah, and uh, I don't discredit it. I, I you know I I already love the sort of uh, hidden history, repressed history, his story, <laughs> as it said, um, mm. and uh, it's a boundless really. You know, it's the it's the it's the victor that gets the that gets the privilege of writing the history books. Yes. Um, and uh, this leads us to none other than Hotep Jesus. Uh, Hotep. Yeah. Uh, I like Hotep a lot. I, I think he's a fascinating individual. Um, I love the in- intensity at which he just fucking stares at people. I think with this, uh, with this presentation that he has of himself... It's like he's casting a fucking three foot bubble of bullshit detector, you know. Mm-hmm. It's great stuff. Um, but no, I I listened to him, to him and Adam Curry, and I listened to him and Mofax and a, a select few of other uh, interviews. I think he's got some really good stuff. Um, but this one comes from a Joe Rogan interview that he did a, a number of years ago. And um, funny enough, I was kind of waiting for this text message to come through, but. Uh, Sir, sir, seat sitter is hitting us up in the back channel saying, uh, shit, that's the first time I heard about Turtle Island since I had that dude, Yah Bay, on, on this show. And, uh, yeah, I remember the abs in a six pack. I forget which number, but, um, Sir, sir, seat sitter had a gentleman on that was very much in tune with this, uh, um, uh, consensus, uh, theory, I guess. This idea. This idea. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, I, unfortunately, just before you go on, I just have one thing to say it just, it's already understood that native American peoples and, and black people did a lot of, um, they got together back in the day and, and there's a, it's well understood that there, that many ADOS individuals have native American blood just because of history, just because that's, that's how things worked, you know, a couple hundred years ago. They were of a, a similar sort of caste in American society, and, and they, they 
for lack of a better word, they interbred. Mm-hmm. You know, no doubt. Um, so in this interview, Joe Rogan and, and Hotep get into a lot of the, um, I guess the the culture that Black America is handed uh, as young children that their ancestry is only ever come from slavery. So how can they ever aspire to be something more than their ancestors if their ancestors um, allegedly started so low on the totem pole? And it's a, it's sort of this capture device that locks people into victimhood mentality. And of course, this is I'm, I'm doing my best to paraphrase. Um, so it might not be entirely accurate, but the that was the vibe. And we'll uh, we'll start off with this first clip. Well, it's difficult, I think, for people that were born in America and all their known ancestors from America to even relate. Like, I'm my family is mostly from Italy and Sicily, and some of them from Ireland. Mm-hmm. I don't relate at all. I, right. I visit Italy in the summer so times. I don't relate at all. Right. So then the other the other psyop is the fact that we were the natives. We were not brought here on slave ships. That's not economically sound. This what do you mean? Make sense. Uh, so when Christopher Columbus got here, wanted to, well, Christopher Columbus got to the Caribbean, uh, according to a primary source, right. they basically said the first thing he did was take slaves. He didn't bring slaves. He took slaves from the island. He captured people. So when you have colonization, you got to remember, the United States was only built 13 colonies at first, right? You think this whole land was empty? No, there were natives here. Right. But today we're taught that natives are some other people. No, natives are the melanated African being that has come here since the, 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 the beginning of the Mali Empire. We're talking about uh, 14th, 13th century. We had already come here from Africa. Crazy shit, man. I think that would even predate, uh, oh God, Leif Erikson? Oh, sure. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, we go back to the, the ancient times to tell you about Lumeria, Atlantis, or whatever, if you want to get into that. But yeah, the, the diaspora, the original diaspora, the original Cro-Magnon. And yeah, it's pretty understood that, you know, people with white skin, that's not really actually the norm. It's a, it was probably a mutation that happened a long time ago. <laughs> a bunch of qu- cave-dwelling freaks. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of fucking sun-scared bitches. Sun scared bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that checks out. Um, yeah, and this uh, this whole clip, or excuse me, this whole video is like twenty minutes long, and they get into some really fascinating stuff. But for time and brevity's sake, I of course I couldn't get to it all. Um, but this next clip uh, follows immediately in the conversation. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had already come here. To the United States or to the This landmass land we call the United States. So the way the, the ocean current works is it, it works uh, from Africa, leaves out of uh, West Africa, comes to South America and the Caribbean. That's just how the currents go. You don't need no paddle boat or nothing. It is just the currents to take you there. And then you travel up. But we had already been here. All you got to do is look up the story of Sarah Rector. Sarah Rector is a, a wealthy so-called Native American. Uh, I think she was a Choctaw tribe or one of these tribes, but she was wealthy. And uh, she wanted a VI pass to go somewhere. And um, they had her classified as a free person. Why don't we know about the wealthy so-called black people in America? Why don't we know that there were black slave owners in America? Why is that not taught? 
How Why is it not true? How, how many black slave owners were there? Man, this, the, the natives here had slaves. They were trading slaves with the so-called white man. Well, they definitely did that. Natives okay. enslaved people of other tribes. Right. So if those, if those people are us, the so-called black man, if those natives were us, then we have to tell that history and say how we did have territories and we did you know, carry out commerce and we weren't slaves. We were slave owners. And a lot of that conversation stems from this idea of as you go around and start conquering shit, you're going to have POWs. You got to kill a bunch of dudes first until they uh, get the idea and end up submitting. And you have all of these alliances. Well, if you help us kick this guy's ass, then we'll help you in the future. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't That's think that's the uh, basic pattern of, of civilization. I mean, certain civilizations do it much more brutally and, and upfront more than others but all all quote-unquote civilized nations rely on the backbreaking work of some people that are considered lesser and that they must spend their lives in hard labor in order to sort of subsidize the lifestyle of of those above them in a certain caste system the the aztec are the most obvious you know idea that they literally subsisted on that they would go around and they would have neighbors that they wouldn't they wouldn't destroy them entirely they may you know invade them from time to time and take a massive amount of slaves and take people for you know their famous sacrifices on their on their great monuments but they would never erase them entirely because they needed them mm-hmm. because they they wouldn't exist without them this is the way of humanity unfortunately and it's interesting cuz he he refers to almost every skin tone of people as so-called, which I feel really uh, equalizes the the playing field. It it, it highlights that <laughs> it didn't matter what color your skin was, you're gonna you're gonna be subjugating people if you end up the victor. Back in back in these times, at least. No, well, just no matter what, it's always about it's always about power. Yeah, and you know, with these with these types of things. Hmm. Um. And here's where Hotep, if you can believe it or not, gets a little more even controversial. Right, but the majority of African Americans that lived here were brought over here. No. No. No, that's, that's not economically sound. What do you mean by it's not economically sound? Like, there were uh, slave say, ships, right? All right, let's say you wanted to have, uh, you wanted to sell marijuana, right? Right. Would you uh, import marijuana or would you grow it here if it's already here? Well, it depends on whether or not marijuana grew here. Well, can you, you grow marijuana here? You can, but okay. th- we're just talking about marijuana. Like, what if so, we're talking so, so, about something that you can't grow here? So, so what I'm saying is, people were already here. Does it make sense to go all the way to this other continent to bring people on a boat when we know that half of your stock is going to die? <laughs> you wouldn't do that. So, how many people do you think were brought over from Africa on slave ships? Because that definitely I- happened. Uh, I don't believe it. What do you mean you don't believe it? I don't believe that story. You don't believe that Africans were brought over on slave ships? Correct. I believe it may have happened. You know, maybe people were brought over as slaves, but I don't think that the black people in America came from Africa on slave ships. I believe the people that were here were slowly conquered. First, they got the East Coast and then they started spreading out West little by little conquering. And when you conquer a tribe, what do you do? You enslave them. They're POWs. Hmm. I like that. I mean, it's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 
If you had to put a number, and unfortunately I can't give you um, a real concrete solid date range, so let's let's just assume from Columbus Landing uh, to start of the Civil War. Um, how many how many Africans do you surmise were shipped over to the uh, to the Americas to be enslaved? Well, uh, to, to North uh, to North America specifically. To North because the earliest slave trade, as as we have learned is Columbus discovered what what are now you know Haiti and and these these little islands that are south of North America and they never you know beat the bush about how the, the indigenous peoples that they found were what we would call black people so if you think about it like that in in that context that the first peoples that they found at all were black people then it does sort of give a, a credence to the story but at the same time, there there are a lot of aspects to the the history of the slave trade that are brushed over. I mean, there's a lot of very inconvenient truths. If the if the slave trade did exist as we think it does, the the Atlantic slave trade during that time period, then you would have black tribes selling their own people, and and really the most of the transportation came through the through like Portugal through Lisbon. And it was facilitated by um, Portuguese Jewish people, were were the were the people that really made the the big money on that, and we know that through records and stuff like that. And it just happens to be, you know, I mean, that's that's that is the history, but people don't talk about that either. People don't hold Port- Portugal, you know, liable for being the the gateway to the West as far as the slave trade is concerned. Um. But as far as moving slaves across, you've seen the pictures of those boats and how they were said to have uh, brought them in. I mean, just lumping them in, having no space to move. If you had to put a number on it, what would your best estimation be in this 200-year time period, give or take? Less than fifty to a hundred thousand, I would say. Uh, I would say actually probably like two to five thousand, <laughs> or maybe ten thousand. Just given how given how fast travel was at the time, given how many ships were around capable of this sort of trade, given how many people existed at that time, at what the population was, and keep in mind that. For by the time Washington was around, the entire United States Army, at its largest, with mercenaries and with help, only reached a population of twelve thousand. Twelve thousand people was the biggest army that Washington ever controlled. So, do you think that, in the context of how what the population really was, and we're talking about at the latest time, we're talking or not the latest time, but at a later period of what would be considered the the era of slavery of American slavery starting at the end, starting in the 1500s and ending in the 1800s, a 300-year span. Well, in that 300-year span, you have the Spanish, you have the Dutch, you have all these guys come in, and then you have the, the, the American Revolution. And by that time, there's really we're talking tens of thousands of people at the most. 
by the math that's presented uh, from a source in this next clip uh, that they end up discussing, um, you undershot it by a little bit. But when you consider the, uh, I guess the scale, the, the total number, it's about ten percent. So, do you believe that some Africans came over here in slave ships, or none? Very minimal. Very minimal. Really Very minimal. So, you think it's a myth? Almost. It just does not make sense logistically to take people from all the way from over there to bring them here, especially when half your stock is going to die when you got people right here. You have human resources right here. All I got to do is pop them, shoot a couple of them. The rest of them are like, all right, fine. And you enslave them. And none of them die except for the ones I actually killed. Right. I got a whole millions of people right here. Like, why would I go all the all the way across the ocean? To bring people back across the ocean. It just, just doesn't make sense. It's just stupid. That did nobody run a business like that. What's up, Jim? PBS. How many? The title was How Many Slaves Landed in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Well, scroll that up. Scroll that up so I can read that whole thing. Okay. Right to there. Perhaps you, like me, were raised essentially to think of the slave experience primarily in terms of our black ancestors here in the United States. In other words, slavery is primarily about us right from the Crispus attacks and Philip Wheatley, Benjamin Banneker, and Richard Allen, all the way to Harriet Tubman, mm -hmm. Sojourn Truth, and Frederick Douglass. Think of it as an instance we might think of as african-american exceptionalism in other words it is the black experience it's got to be about black americans well black americans will think again the most comprehensive analysis of shipping records over the course of slave trade is the transatlantic slave trade database edited by professors david eltis and david richardson while the editors are careful to say that all the figures are estimates they believe that the best estimates that we have the proverbial gold standard in the field the study of the slave trade between 1525 and 1866 the, in the entire history of the slave trade to the New World, according to the Transatlantic Slave Trade Database, 12.5 million mm. Africans were shipped to the New World. Mm. 10.7 million survived mm -hmm. the dreaded Middle Passage disembarking in North America, the Caribbean, and South America. Mm -hmm. How many of those 10.7 million Africans were shipped directly to North America? Mm -hmm. Only about 388,000. That's right, a tiny percentage. So a small percentage of all the Africans that were enslaved were actually shipped to North America. That's probably closer to the truth. Hmm. They ain't come from Africa, bro. That don't make no sense. Nobody would run a business like that. Well, they, they're saying that a lot of people did, though. That's 10.7 million people. Came on boats? That's what they're saying. That's well, a they were in the slave trade. trade. I don't know if that means that they necessarily came here. They could have been going to Europe. They well, no, no they, were the saying that. they were saying that it was in the Caribbean. The slave trade does not have to come from Africa. I can trade with you right here in America. But was it why it said, they, no, it said to directly to North America is only the f under 400,000. Right. Right. Involved in the shipping and going all over the world. It, it could be going anywhere. But right. from Africa. That's correct? less than 10%. African shipped. Yes. Right. That's yeah. less than 10%. So under the, under the umbrella that the presented, um, I guess, narrative of the mainstream is that in the grand scheme of things, out of 10.7 million people, less than 400,000 people were shipped over a 300-year period. 400,000 still seems like a lot yeah. to me. Just given the, like you said, the logistics. And believe me, I believe the Atlantic slave trade happened. And there's 
tons of evidence that it did. Right. Records. And um, I believe that it happened, but I just don't, I don't know. The number just seems high. Over, over a period of 300 years, you have, how many, how many slaves do you think you get on one big ship? 100, 200? Uh, 150 was kind of my first, <laughs> first educated guess. <laughs> sure. So 150, let's say you get 150 slaves on, and then let's say only 30% die or something. So you say you have 100 that actually make it. How many ships would it take for there to be, well, let's say 300 then. Oliver Hart says, okay, say they jammed in, say they really packed them in, and you could fit maybe 300 slaves on there. You would lose a bunch, and you would probably get maybe 250 on. And that's per ship. And it's a big ship that you got to make. In a given time, the, each nation only has a fleet of fucking how many ships, and privately owned as well. Hundreds, maybe? Over the course of 300 years, to get to 400,000, God, that's a math equation that I legitimately have to make. And, you know, Hotep kind of begrudgingly um, uh, states that, you know, um, he, he feels that this 400,000 number, less than 10%, is more accurate, but it still doesn't sound like he's going to, um, I guess, flip any real opinion on the matter uh, based off of this article that they're reading from PBS or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 125,000 trips. Yeah, 125,000 trips. I like that number. Over the course of 300 years? Well, I wonder. Yeah, I'm not I, sure, man. I'm, I'm we'll really have to do contingency sure. calculations where we'll have to kind of like go one through the other and just find out. Just find out how many. When uh, when Cersei Seed Sitter gets Yabe back on, we should uh, send this clip to to Cersei Seed Sitter and play it for him. Oh, wow. Yes, I think so. Um, but yeah, that's uh, pretty much wraps it. Other than, did you know Coolio was uh, was in the presidential run for twenty twenty? Who was Coolio, dude? He he ran for president with a porn star, Sherry Deville. <laughs> he ran with Sherry Deville, huh? Yeah, I think they ended up having the to drop out, but uh, the campaign's possibly tongue in cheek slogan was "Make America fucking awesome again" with a healthcare <laughs> program called Coolio Care, and its proposed Secretary of Foreign Relations, Chloe Teray, a Canadian-born international model. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Coolio was actually in line for or pegged for uh, VP. Okay, and was uh, Cherie Deville going to be the the president? VP? Yeah. Hmm. So it really was tongue in cheeks. Heyo. Heyo. <laughs> Heyo. Well, shit. That's uh, that's all I had on Coolio. I mean, if you know. If this is the type of information that he was wanting to get out there, I do feel like it would be incredibly dangerous uh, for a certain type of ruling class that uh, gets a lot of its power from just keeping people downtrodden and telling them and convincing them and training them to believe that they're only ever going to be victims. Um, I think that would be dangerous. 
I do think that would upset the system in, in a lot of ways. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's best to probably take care of that problem. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I got. Beautiful. Well, RIP to Coolio. And uh, always nice to hear from our, from our guy, Hotep. Hear what he has to say. Of course, you know, this is all to be taken with a grain, and we're just kind of listening to what people are thinking and what kind of ideas are being thrown out there. And you can do your own math at home and see if uh, you can come to a similar conclusion or not. Simple as that. Yeah, check out that Dane Calloway stuff. He had a ton of material about it. Mm. I had to <laughs> tell myself, no, you will not clip this. You will not clip this. You will not... <laughs> Turn this into a six-hour episode. <laughs> um, but what I can do is uh, hit you with our last two voicemails for tonight. Ooh, and if you want to leave us an additional voicemail, you can always call us at 612-263-7999. You still got a little bit of time. He does not mean a microphone. A microphone. My voice is fucking fucking powerful. What's up? Love you guys. Uh, that was the best scream I had. I'm driving, so I couldn't quite do the master exploder vocals to the best of my ability, but... Oh! Oh! Yeah! Yeah. Lavish, you know what I bet Caller had to do to get those pipes? Uh... Talk to a plumber? Ballless, soulless, spiritless, corporate little bitches, suckers of Satan's cock. E- <laughs> <laughs> Cough your head out. Oh, we're, we're kidding. We're kidding, Collar. I, I like that uh, Master Exploder rendition. The D. The D. All hail the motherfucking D. <laughs> we actually had a, a follow-up from same Collar. Let's... Let's uh, check it out. Hey, Sissy Sir, aka Skidmark, aka. I think that's only one name, two names, even though it's. Chris23 from Tennessee. 27 names, I guess is what Chris is there. But um, I'm, I know I already called back in with the shitty um, Master Exploder Jack Black impression, but. Uh, you guys are talking about Coolio and gay shit in the rap in the music industry, but specifically the rap industry. I would recommend looking up uh, Professor Griff and a lot of stuff that those type of guys have done. I know Fletcher and Lavish and I did the Faustian uh, Deal Part Two episode, and we and I think I played a couple clips from there, but I barely scratched the surface. There is a wealth of knowledge of when it comes to Jay Z or all these motherfuckers. It's like a lot of these rap guys, according to Professor Griff and people like Julio, is 
um, you have to basically get gang banged by the record producers. Right. And, you know, get like uh, a dick in the ass, a dick in the mouth, and, and a dick in the, uh, well, I guess there's two dudes, there's only two holes, but, you know, multiple dicks probably in the mouth and multiple dicks in the ass at the same time. Yep. And yep. some dicks in the ears and some dicks in the eyes to fucking get a good record contract. Um, Kanye has come to lose with this type of stuff, but it's, it's very interesting. And if you look hard enough, there seems to be a lot of just like gay orgies are even in the rap industry, which is overtly heterosexual as opposed to the, uh, classic rock industry where it was like Queen and Robert Plant and people like that that were kind of like practically openly gay. Like, the very hetero rap industry is like, oh, you got to get bang-bang, gang-banged, bang-bang, muck-banged by some um, record executives and their friends to, uh, to get in that thing, get gang-banged by some, what, what the Professor Bruce call, would call trannies. I would never use the word trannies. Um, uh, it's not on, on a recording, I would. But, uh, but yeah, um, it's very fascinating. It's like... Um, the Fascian deal isn't always literally selling your soul like Bob Dylan or Jimi Hendrix or whoever did. It's, sometimes it's, uh, it's selling your soul just means like, oh, yeah, uh, the initiation ritual is we're going to butt fuck you in front of a crowd. A bunch of old white guys are going to butt fuck Jay-Z, allegedly. And then he gets uh, a billion dollar rap industry out of it. Oh, just something to consider before you, uh... <laughs> you know what? I think that we can get him interested in gay butt sex magic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get behind that scheme. Uh, yeah, yeah the, there's somebody, I forget who, but somebody fucking mentioned uh, Quincy Jones. Oh, as a yeah. a guy who would, uh, you know, make a move on you. Oh. But, you know, I can't, I can neither confirm nor deny. I just, that was a rumor that I heard somewhere. Pure speculation. Pure speculation. None of this is medical advice. <laughs> uh, yeah, Professor, Pro- Professor Griff is a. I got, I, I got turned on to him through the uh, Anthrax uh, song that they did together. Bring the noise. Mm. Kind of a militant dude. It's uh, it's interesting. I'm curious. I want to know more. I want to learn more. Would you like to know more? I would love to know, to know more. No. Actually. Uh, but I think we're going to have to postpone any further learning until next week. Wouldn't you say? I would say so. And I would uh, thank everybody for tuning out for, or turning in and <laughs> tuning on and dropping out and tuning out for episode 119 of Behind the Schemes. Yep. If you like this and this production, head over to badradio.live. You can check us out every Monday night, starting at around 7 o'clock Pacific 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern. That's when we kick on the streams. And mm-hmm. uh, the show starts at the half hour mark. Um, you can find us on the No Agenda stream, too. Thank you for uh, Sir Bemrose uh, to, to, for hooking us up with that. God, words are hard to get out. Um, check us out. 
chat room IRC hashtag green room IRC dot zero dot net uh, Zosa's corner dot dot com for all your show note love and goodness and um, is there anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I think that covers it all. Julio was hip to some shit, man. So was that Jimmy Page, dude. That was a nice little uh, sandwich of uh, mystique and magic and music. It was quite the smorgasbord. <laughs> the satanic smorgasbord, if you will. Yes, a devilish deli tray. Mmm. A Luciferian hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> to come back and find something to do with that Jimmy Page uh, Lucifer's Rising might be a, a gold mine as they say well we can always throw it on the list yeah I'm gonna keep trying to avoid lists and until next time I've been Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman and very dirty and in need of some cleansing my name is Lavish Yes, there are fighting. No, I'm not showing them. Biden ain't got no merch. This is Alice in Wonderland. It's the world upside down. Up is down, white is black, uh, truth is false. You've been hit back. So I gotta now jam a knife in the side to trigger the blades. We're taking the show on the road. Private lighting orgies. So sickening. I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. Boost my bitch up. It's go time now. Behind the scenes, the esoterica of your dreams. <laughs> <sighs>